You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 221 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stubbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio again this week, it is my co-host Matt Smith. Buongiorno. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good, thank you. How are All you? Right. I'm going good, good. Yeah, we started on time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's that's, amazing. That's, that's normal. It's amazing. That's normal. It's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, how are you? Uh, living life's eternal dream good. every single good. day. Good. How about you? Well, I thought uh, just for a change this week, I would uh, don a different cap or different hat for the show. Mm. Um, yes. We've got a few comments from the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Most of them not are all of them positive. Um, it has to be yeah. said. <laughs> but uh, no, hello, uh, hello, yeah. everyone. Um, I, d- I do think I do think Don Carlos is the, is the, Carlos, is the new yes. is the new favourite. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we are also going to mention uh, this week again. Nev is not with us. Nev is. Oh, uh, I know. Currently. On honeymoon with Easy. Mrs. Nev, and uh, apparently they uh, travelled to the airport in the banana. Right, and, okay. um, yeah, I'm sorry. Why <laughs> some kind of euphemism there? <laughs> and they're in right. that, they're on, like, on the honeymoon. So if you're listening, Nev, which you're probably not because you're enjoying well, yourself, he's on his honeymoon with his wife. On the honeymoon. I yeah. uh, uh, hope you have a lovely time, Nev, and uh, all the best from us here, Indeed. as always. Um, but uh, no, so Nev's not with us. But we have got two incredibly special guests with us this week. Yes. Super subs, I like Super to refer subs. to them as. Yeah. Yes, yes. One yes. we haven't got one for very long. No, no. But, uh, yeah. So we're gonna, we're going to introduce uh, the certain guest who can't stay with us too long, but he's, he's got to go to bed and get his uh, his beauty sleep. So uh, welcome onto the show. He's everyone's favourite pal. It's Captain Al. Uh, very good evening. And on the subject of beauty sleep, yes, you will all know that I will need quite a considerable amount yep. of beauty sleep to uh, make myself look as beautiful as Carlos does in that <laughs> ridiculous hat. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think. I think to be fair, you could go without sleep and look uh, better. But there we are. That's just my how, personal opinion. <laughs> how, how are things with you, Al? Where are you in the world? So currently, I'm in Cluj Napoca, which isn't necessarily. Uh, featuring on many people's radar as to where it is in the world, but it's in Romania. Um, we're in Transylvania, and uh, about oh, about forty minutes flying time to the north of Bucharest. Ooh, mm. very good. Uh, so you're you're on a kind of layover. Are you off flying again at some point? Yeah, soon? no, I did uh, Paris and back this morning, uh, just around about two and a half hours each way. Um, that was really nice, actually, because my first officer uh, had his parents on board, and it was the first time he'd had the opportunity to fly his parents. Aww. So we were able to do a few nice things, get some photos. We had good. Uh, we arrived early into Paris, and we had a. Uh, longish uh, turn around in Paris, so uh, we were able to get them on the flight deck, p- take pictures and that sort of thing. Oh. And uh, uh, it was it was nice actually. It was one of those opportunities that you have to to make someone feel quite really special. special. And yeah, uh, his mum and dad were really really pleased. So that was nice for for all of us really. Yeah. Um, and then I, I came back, had a little bit of a snooze this afternoon. Uh, met up with a work colleague of mine. We went for uh, a curry. And uh, then I got soaked to the skin in a heavy downpour. Right. Okay. It's like being at home, Al. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. We had a pretty big thunderstorm as usual for uh, this part of the world at this time of night. So uh, uh, it had about uh, 
a good sort of uh, uh, six inches of rain on the roads in uh, less than half an hour. Goodness me, that is absolutely crazy. So, uh, well... Uh, <laughs> well, you know it's bad when the water is coming over the top of your shoes. Right, you yes, a bit moist pavement. out. Yeah, absolutely. So, Pro- Matt, wear, who... wear flip-flops, mate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And on that note, <laughs> yeah. Matt, who else have we got joining well, I don't us? Know. I think he, I, well, I can only tell from the picture that we've got here that he's actually in Australia because uh, it's, it's upside <laughs> down. Uh, but, uh, yes, it, it gives me great pleasure to the, welcome the legend that is the old curmudgeon himself it is the legendary sir captain of nick how are you sir g'day mate yeah <laughs> things pretty big down here i uh, really enjoy myself mm. uh, i think it's the uh, you, other need, half you need to have a fiddle with your didgeridoo there <laughs> gone wrong. Uh, no yeah, i think you'll find my didgeridoo is in perfect working order <laughs> okay so, uh, we're yeah. pretty good down here thanks very much i want to know uh, how you've managed to stick beer. everything to the ceiling so that it's all just sort of you know i mean it's it's, it's even his hair is yeah absolutely yeah. i'd have thought it'd be more pointy down but perhaps an age thing yeah, i don't know uh, <laughs> How's that? That's much better. There we are. There we go. So, no, uh, things fine. Thank you very much. Shays Anderson. Uh, I'm sitting here uh, waiting for a couple of uh, um, medical appointments before Ooh. I can get back flying again. But before then, I've got a lovely holiday in Cornwall coming up. So, uh, oh, wow. I think you'll probably find I'm not going to uh, set foot inside an aeroplane uh, until next month. So, wow. when, I, when I do, uh, they'll probably have Some to. Some cunning restart. planning there. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I'll have to restart my training all over again. All over again, yeah. It'd be like you'd never flown one before. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, uh, you know, I've got to find that button. Uh, you know, that all-important takeoff button. Take-off ah, button. yes, the takeoff yeah. and landing buttons. Yeah, yes, yeah absolutely. exactly but right. They may, of course, change the labelling since you were last in one, so who knows? I mean, anything's yes, possible. Yes, it, yeah. it might be. What would they call a takeoff button if they didn't call it a takeoff button? Ooh, Get gold. No answers on a postcard, please, from the chat room would be eternally <laughs> grateful. Obviously, family-friendly ones only. Yeah. No, That's what we uh, call it down here in, in Suffolk and Norfolk. We've got a get gone button. A get what? Get gone. A get gone. Oh, right. go go <laughs> wow. Okay. So Hi, it is, is, is the fifteenth <laughs> of June. It is uh, all day, all day. It's coming up to uh, six minutes past seven in the evening. Going to say a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. Loads of names in there. Going to mm. run through all quickly. the usual suspects. All the usual suspects: Graham Hanley, Jonathan Warner, Jennifer Parkinson, uh, Chris Turnbull, uh, Liz Piper, Auntie Liz. Hello, Shorty Crosgrove. Uh, we've got Lane Street, uh, Mariana. Uh, Tony S, uh, Ray Davis yeah, as well. Yeah, hello, Ray. Long hello, time Ray. See, yeah. He's uh, he's working hard. I expect securing the security of security things. <laughs> and right. uh, so you've, you've reeled off the list of people who are going to be absolutely delighted that I'm not going to sabotage the military tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Graham yeah, Haley as well. There was very little military news. Yeah, no, I know. I'm <laughs> We've got a lot to fit in today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I could I couldn't play my Rome thing last week because we actually no, ran, no, out, ran of out of time. time. Yeah. <laughs> Did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did run out of time a bit, didn't we? We did, yeah. yeah. But uh, welcome everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. So don't forget, uh, we've got... Um uh, what we got to? We got to a segment from Matt with his Rome trip yes. coming up later on. We've also got uh, the one of the interviews that me and Nev done at Brunting Thorpe. One of which, the interviews that myself and Nev did. <laughs> myself and Nev did at Brunting Thorpe, which done, is honestly. with the You're tornado so Norfolk GR one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, which looks stunning because Nev's camera is of, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's coming up later as well. But we have got the news to start off with, so Indeed. we are going to start the news our show as, as we do each week when I run down of the weekly news from around the world uh, and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt, I was born ready, and Captain Al. 
Yes, yes, I'm ready. In and Captain east. Nick. Oh, I could just, I'm just going to get a beer. Okay, oh, all right, okay, all right. Well, we'll just I'm play the titles. Let's right. go anyway. <laughs> It's just maybe something in the chat room just made me laugh. Jonathan Warner says, you have to do the military. I'm here today. <laughs> okay. Good point. So, kicking off this week's <laughs> yeah. first news story. So, as not to upset anyone, but we're going to make someone's uh, day very good here, in who's uh, Auntie Liz, because Ooh. the first news story this week on TravelPulse.com website. So, Canadian Airlines Swoop. Receives final approval for maiden flight. Ooh. So, Canadian low-cost carrier Swoop announced on Tuesday the airline had been granted its operating certificate. Or Sorry, I, 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 maybe the connection. Is this airline called Poop? Swoop. Swoop, yeah. With an S. That was last week's stories. Yeah, oh dear, um, no, so, moving on. Um, <laughs> Swoop officials are currently preparing for the June 20th inaugural flight. That's not far, too they, far they've away. They've not thought this out clearly, have they? Because, I mean, what's the airline going to be known as? Oh. It's going to be a low cost. Uh, okay, I, I didn't quite catch. Well, that. hopefully, swoop. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was going to say Al was skyping then, but we're not. We're no, not no, using we don't Skype. use that. No, we don't use that. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> but uh, apologies for uh, the uh, internet connection uh, where uh, Al is. He's uh, he's trying to use the hotel Wi-Fi there. Yes. Yeah, we've we just yeah. had quite a big flash of lightning, so that the lights went out. Oh, so. oh no! Oh, blimey! Oh, clash! So receiving the air operator certificate ticks the last checkbox, said Swoop CEO and President Stephen Greenway. Uh, we, we said we're immensely proud of the Swoop in-flight maintenance and operations team for getting us there, and we're ready for takeoff on the 20th of June. When it begins operating, Swoop will become the only ultra-low-cost carrier in Canada. With a strong balance sheet, a modern fleet of Boeing 737-800 uh, aircraft... Airplanes been around since before I was born. Before you were born? Wow. Well, before any of us were born, actually. Goodness me, really? All they've done is put a new coat of paint and bent the wings. It does look like because it doesn't look like the sharklets, does it? It does look like a very expensive wingtips up with a spanner or a pair of pliers. Right, indeed. Yeah, that's 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 what I first think of when it's like. <laughs> so if you want to learn uh, more about Swoop's destinations and schedules, the ultra-low-cost model, check out the airline's official website. Mm. And uh, it's uh, safe to say they've got a, definitely an eye-catching colour scheme. Um, uh, yes, yes. Rather interesting Not, shade not entirely of dissimilar to a certain Wiz airline. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, quite similar, similar in the same colour schemes and stuff, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, They're not called Swoop, though, I'm pleased to they're say. They're not called Swoop. Swoop and, no. and Wiz. Right. Okay. Anyway. Do you know there are companies out there who specialise in advising corporate bodies on what colours to have mm -hmm. their logos in? Really? Because apparently different colours have different meanings. So, you know, like purple and pink and so forth will have... Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that you can make your living on advising on colour, isn't it? Yeah, well, th that's true. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder where you were going with this is the fact that they, 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 there are companies out there that can help them with such things and they choose none of them. Uh, but well, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, we must be only one step away from having someone feng shui the interior of an airliner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's been well, done in some... You mean they haven't in Wiz? <laughs> um, I was going to say uh, Swoop. You know, your little nickname there of Poop, which is yep. probably going to be what it's called. <laughs> it's you look at the logo on the tail and how much that represents their nickname. Um... <laughs> it looks just like an airplane that's... Oh, yes. Oh, oh no. Yes. There you go. Oh, oh, no. On a card. Yeah, absolutely. Can go. Matt put that on the screen? Yeah, he can. He's yeah, gonna, there we go. go. <laughs> um, so we've got an aircraft that's, that's got... having a poo. Uh, it, no, yeah. it, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's leaving a chemtrail. Is that's it? What that oh, no, no. Doing Actually, yet. while we're here, you should ask Alexa. No, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alexa, what's a chemtrail? Chemtrails refer to the trails of condensation or contrails. Alexa, Alexa jet engine. shut up. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, she, she got it right this week. She got it right this week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there we are. Uh, that's not the it's, answer it's she gave me It's such a shame, before. actually, because you probably haven't got a speaker on in the studio. Have you? I could use Alexa to order you some pizzas. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not that stupid. That, that's, that's why we wear earphones. That's why we wear earphones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, so I forgot what we were talking about. Something about swooping airplanes having a poo. I'm not. I'm really confused. <laughs> yeah, I see that their logo automatically shows a strategic lateral offset uh, uh, right. that okay. needs to be applied, which we'll probably come on to later in the show. Right, okay. Funny. So moving swiftly on right, to okay. the next uh, story, Matt. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, okay. This is this is actually good news for, is, yeah, uh, for people in this area. It actually, believe it or not, it actually made Look East, which is our local. New BBC News program here. It actually made that. And I'm uh, flying from there in a, in, in a week and a oh, half's time. You? Well, a week's time, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Week's with time. which airline? I'm flying with Air Malta, funny oh, enough. Oh, there's a surprise. Malta, right. yeah. Okay. You're driving all the way down to South End. <laughs> South End, yeah, yeah. A bit of a journey for you. You're probably better off getting the tunnel under the channel and just driving there <laughs> just yourself. Just driving yeah. yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's, what's it, an hour and three quarters from here? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, it, it is genuinely yeah. only about, it's a roughly the same for us to stand. It's rough. as it is yeah, to yeah, you're right. Right. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, roughly about the same time it takes to get to Stansted, does it? You're fitting with your hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that the entire terminal? That, that, That's pretty that much it. Yeah, much yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bit like Norwich, only, only with like heating. Uh, I've, I've <laughs> seen greenhouses bigger than that. Right, anyway, moving on. Anyway, <laughs> so what's going on at Southend If Airport? I remember rightly, it's owned by Stobart. That's correct, right, yeah, 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 Stobart. Yeah. Southend, rather, airport. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, which brother, though? Because haven't they had a bit of a falling out? Oh, uh, oh I don't know. I don't know. It, I mean, none of it's green, so I'm guessing not the one that is involved with the lorries. <laughs> Could be. Indeed. Anyway, uh, this is on the uh, Guardian.com website, and the headline is Ryanair to open new base at London Southend Airport. Uh, so uh, Ryanair is to open a new base at London Southend Airport in April 2019, despite its concern for UK aviation after Brexit. The Irish airline expects to carry around a million passengers a year from the Essex Airport, largely to Spain and Italy. Ryanair has been vocal in its criticism of Britain's plans to leave the EU and the possible effects on the industry, and has said that it would pivot growth away from the UK. The airline's chief commercial officer, David O'Brien, said that don't confuse this great news as some kind of vote of confidence in the future of UK aviation. He said Ryanair was only expecting to grow its UK business by 4% compared with 21% in Germany in, 20, in 2018. 300 million euro investment in basing three planes at Southend is to be accomplished by the airlines closing 
um, Glasgow Airport base because of low demand. Southend's deal with Ryanair will double passenger numbers at an airport that only reopened six years ago. Uh, its rapid expansion is set to continue, according to the chief executive of its owners, the Stobart Group. We have clear and focused strategy to grow our airport to welcome over 5 million passengers by year 2022, he said. O'Brien said disruption from European air traffic control strikes, primarily in France, could be the worst ever for airlines, which cancelled 1,100 flights in May. Your tourist going from Britain down to Spain is screwed by a couple of hundred French air traffic controllers. I'm not quite I sure. Quite sure what this has got to do. I'm not quite sure what this has got to do. It's in the Guardian. That. <laughs> no, apparently not. Uh, it's uh, the airline is lobbying the EU to demand a notification period of at least 72 hours for industrial action. Uh, I'm not quite sure where that last bit came from from the Guardian. I'm sure the tourists going down to Spain. Are Aren't expecting to be screwed by a couple of hundred French air traffic controllers, are they? Well, only if they flash their lights. Well, oh. indeed, absolutely. Sounds, sounds like a good night. No, sorry. The, the, oh, yeah, dear. yeah. So uh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It, it is news, I suppose, of some description. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, good news for for, for South End. Mm, certainly is. Yeah, it's be interesting to see what that airport is like to fly out of. Yeah, well, you're, I've heard say, good if you're things. Going down there, I've heard good things. Yeah, so. absolutely. Have, uh, so, how long have they been? Fly- how long have Malta been flying out? Of, um, out of a month. There? Oh, really? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, that that new. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> have uh, have uh, any of you two guys flown in or out of South End at all? No, I'm guessing. Yes. Oh, you have. Oh, uh oh. Yes. <laughs> Brace yourself. You actually, got a runway. Uh-huh. Apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that commercially or privately, uh, Al? Uh, I've done both actually. I've taken uh, an A320 in there some years ago, um, and I've also done a little bit of GA flying out of South End many years ago. Wow! Yeah, yeah. And I cannot remember why I took a 320. But <laughs> I'm going to guess that it was something to do with being painted, but right. I cannot remember why. Yeah, okay. okay, not not a sort of unscheduled well, diversion. They were looking for the graffiti look, were they? <laughs> Yeah, just leave it on the tarmac long enough, and yeah, no, right. yeah. no wheels covered in gritty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> if I remember rightly, wheels the, up on the runway yeah. at South End was extended uh, a few years back, mm. and uh, it has uh, class D airspace around it now, which it never used to have. Mm. And am I not right in thinking that it's actually London South End? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, yes. That is right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's just like there's an O in London. Fact uh, two, to be precise. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what? Just a Welshman. Oh, it's, it's like we've said before, it's like London, Edinburgh, and London. London oh, don't get me started. London, Dublin yeah. Airport, and London. You know, yeah, but to be fair, and, uh, you know, it's unusual for me to be siding on the. Uh, this is, on this the is frightening news, here. yes, indeed. But there's yeah. actually, you know, South End is pretty close to London. There are very good rail links from the airport, there are. if I remember yeah. right. In fact, actually. By, run by yeah, Stobart. I can say one, one of the uh, um, uh, articles that I was reading when they were talking about it actually, because the, the, the Crossrail link is actually going to terminate very close to yeah. South End. So I mean, actually, from from London, you've got incredible high speed train links between between London and South End now. Yeah, or will have yeah. when they're finished. Yeah. Well, I'll let I you mean, know what it's it, like. It's got to be as close as Gatwick. Oh yeah, it's definitely easily, closer for us. Yeah, it's definitely easy. Yeah, yeah definitely closer for yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, I didn't mean to you. I meant as in to like. Oh no, 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 no! It's all about. It's all about us. Me, but the, the, the world does not revolve. Oh dear! What shame! Oh, it's breaking oh, up. Oh, what a real shame! <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have you know 
bungie time, do we? You know, no, but, the, we, no, really, but, the, big, but... The, the big problem we have here, as well you know, Al and Nick, is that we, <laughs> to get anywhere from problem where we are, singular. you have to travel, to, <laughs> have to travel 4,000 miles to get <laughs> to, to get uh, anywhere, anywhere yeah, in this, in this uh, town. So. <laughs> I know. Oh, dear, anyway, so... Even Domino's don't deliver. They do. Uh, they excuse do, me, actually. I'll yeah, have you know. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think I keep this rather beautiful and, and pristine figure? Uh, <laughs> well, it is. Um, um, Carlos, is there anything uh, to, to the rumour that uh, bungee jumping actually started near you? <laughs> um, <laughs> the only jumping that goes on near here is parachute <laughs> jumping. I beg your pardon. I really I'm, wasn't sure where you I'm, were going there I'm, for a minute. I'm more, than, I'm more than happy to show you the uh, that, that particular site next time you're this way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, anyway on moving on, <laughs> um, <laughs> swiftly on to the next story. So, um, Captain Nick, this next story. Well, I was going to say, Nick's more than familiar with that site. That's why the headlamps have stopped working on his car. Uh, moving on. <laughs> That's very true. So, Nick, what's this next right. story then all about? Uh, apparently from dside.com. Uh, is that near Teesside? Uh, just a little further down the, or uh, earlier in the alphabet, I guess. Um, so it's all about uh, Airbus's Beluga XL, which is on track for its first flight following ground tests. And I have to say, if you're going to put the picture up, of all the grossly inflated, horrible-looking air transport bit component flying <laughs> airplanes that are manufactured by Airbus and Boeing, this actually has to look the best. They, they've made it look, apart from the fact that it's kind of got a bit of a hump at the front, They've made it look quite sexy. I love the way the cockpit sort of swoops down. I mean, compare that with the bin liner transport, which is, <laughs> what is they, they call that? They, uh, Dream lifter. The bin, the bin lifter, that would, be, <laughs> that would be the garbage truck that right. comes down your street. Right. Anyway, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm being distracted. Are um, you? So, right. uh, <laughs> the story says uh, Airbus's first Beluga XL, the new heavy lifter, uh, heavy lifter being built in Toulouse, which will take wings from Broughton to Airbus sites across Europe, is edging closer to its maiden flight. The Beluga XL is now in its heavy ground test phase, which apparently, according to the photograph, means they have to have, balance it on its tail. Um, the, uh, oh, sorry, ground test phase, which focuses oh. on the highly modified airframe for this next generation oversized cargo plane. The tests are in preparation for its upcoming maiden flight later this summer. Going to the ground test project leader, uh, Matthew uh, Lemille, uh, a total of 72 development and certification ground uh, tests must be performed before the Beluga XL's high-profile first flight, which is planned for this summer. With more than 48 tests already completed, we are on time. Uh, the big challenge was to be able to anticipate or modify the test schedule so as not to impact final assembly. Airbus says it has succeeded in keeping things on track. It's not a train, guys. Uh, <laughs> thanks to the early analysis of the requirements and excellent multidisciplinary collaboration between design office, labs, tests, and program teams. Oh, that's a bit of management speak if I have heard it. <laughs> Heavy ground tests started with the team weighing the number one Beluga XL at pitch zero and then at pitch nine. 
lifting the aircraft's nose by three and a half meters to determine the empty weight center of gravity. Oh, that's an interesting thing. I assume they like did it on computers, but I didn't realize they physically measured the C of G. Wow. Next, they uh, performed the standard loads and horizontal tailplane tests, which were followed by separate evaluations involving the dorsal fin and vertical tailplane. The heavy ground test phase involves carrying out tests on the aircraft that would usually be conducted on a static cell. It's unusual for us to perform tests like a load calibration using the generalized finite element method of analysis on an aircraft which will fly, as we usually use a dedicated clean aircraft without any systems inside, explained Beluga XL aircraft configuration leader Arno Puyo. <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll Puyo. go with that. Why not? Pure? Pure? Pure. <laughs> the team then began ground vibration testings performed in conjunction with the French Onera Aerospace Research Center and DLR, the German Aerospace Research Center. The eight-day ground vibration campaign, oh my God, which began on the 28th of May, saw the Blue XL tested while both empty and fully loaded. The activa activation, I'm sorry, the activity required one week of intense. Uh, this is just, if I was an engineer, I'd be in seventh heaven reading this. But unfortunately, <laughs> I'm a pilot. Um, they blah, 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 shake, shake the airplane, vibrate the airplane, structural dynamic models, blah, blah. I, mean, I um, don't know. It depends, if, I mean, if it depends who you're with on it. But, I mean, you know, a whole you know, day of vibrating, I mean, it could be quite a nice way to spend your day. It could be. <laughs> right. Yes, okay. right. Let's yes. not go there. <clears throat> uh, with the ground vibration test now complete, subsequent steps ahead of the aircraft's maiden flight include validating the flight test instrumentation and applying the Beluga XL special smiling livery there you go they're gonna stick the smiley face <laughs> yeah you're quite starting in mid 2019 the beluga xl will gradually replace the existing five member beluga st fleet which is used for carrying complete sections of airbus aircraft from different production sites around europe to the final assembly lines in toulouse france hamburg germany ah Yes. <laughs> Preparation work has begun at Broughton, which is needed to allow the Beluga XL to operate in and out of Harwarden Airport. Why is it a bit small? Harden. Harden. No, Harwarden. I've just read it. it no, says Harden. That. It's in Wales. It's Harden. Well, then it will be spelled H-A-R-D-E-N. Just, just in case I'm not saying for. Yeah, uh, just in case I'm Skyping, I'm not saying hard on. Right. <laughs> Oh, oh, dear. Man, man. Just ban him. Just yeah, no, I know. I, I have to yeah, say, actually, I was I was having an email conversation with one of our listeners, a chap by the name of Nick Wilson, and I said he, he was actually saying good luck keeping you two control. And I think he's. Hey, I think exactly. I think officially, Nick, oh, I have it, now lost control. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad enough that Pilot Pitt can't say hard and properly, let alone you. <laughs> Well, I'm an Englishman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, the work includes resurfacing the runway, mm. new turn oh, wow. pads at both ends of the existing runway, and an erection. 
Well, of three blast fences. <laughs> oh, sorry, of three blast fences, one to each end of the runway and one adjacent to the existing Beluga apron. Uh, you know that oh, clean rating. You know, you know that clean rating we used to have on um, on our iTunes listing. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're about to lose that. Anyway, <laughs> that's no, very good. good. You did well, sir. You soldiered on. I, I, I'm impressed. Yeah, that, that was a fascinating thing on a very fat, ugly airplane. <laughs> No, uh, brilliant. Yeah, the no, show I, title for you. Well, <laughs> that is that, yeah. Well, uh, actually, I'm quite impressed. Um, the fact that they've gone with us, like, it's a 330 base uh, airframe, is. isn't it? Yeah. It's it's it's, yeah. This yeah. Thing. Um, and you can see the aerodynamic problems they have on these aircraft because yeah. a huge amount of the fin is blanked off by this great extension in the fuselage. So yeah. the... Um, uh, directional stability is much reduced, which is why they've had to stick those uh, funny extra fin uh, on the end of the uh, tailplanes yeah. to improve the directional uh, stability, along with some dorsal strakes I see at the bottom of the fuselage, all of which help it pointing forwards. So I mean, it's useful when you're in an airplane, but it probably means it'll have quite a restricted crosswind limit. It does, yeah. Well, certainly the, the, the regular Beluga SD does. I can't remember what it is, but it's not very much. And uh, mm. uh, and uh, I, I guess it's probably quite a handful at the edge of its envelope. Yeah, yeah I, I bet. Imagine. I bet. Yeah, they yeah. probably have to pick their days when they fly, which means it must be quite fun being a Beluga pilot because <laughs> you spend a lot of time sit, uh, sitting doing around. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, from what I understand, because uh, Harden is fairly close to me, and we we see the belugas go over the house quite often, and uh, I believe that at the moment, because of the that uh, are working their cotton socks off, because the the demand is so high, and they've got to get these you know wings, uh, you know, around the network, mm. otherwise the whole thing grinds to a halt. You know, you can't deliver an aeroplane and say, well, we'll bring the wings next week. Yeah. I mean, Good the, point. The, the, the pic, I mean, I, I popped the picture up earlier, I'll pop it up again now. I mean, I don't know, it, it always looks, it reminds me of like a sort of like a whale, you know, in, in its sort of, uh, like a dolphin with, the, you know, with a little poke at the, the, the bottom there. Mm. It's just like, I'm wondering if that's why they called it the Beluga. All oh, right, go away. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so uh, Al, are you okay to, uh, to bring up the next story or do you want us to... Uh, no, no, I, I, I mean, I, the, the next story reads... Uh, hang on. <laughs> Good old EasyJet, this one. Give him a chance, it's not in well. Yeah, the next story reads, the web page was reloaded because a problem occurred. Right, splendid. Oh, right. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> okay, so, uh, anyway, this is on the Daily okay, this story comes from the Express. Oh, okay. And it's from the City and Busy News section. And its title is EasyJet in Fair's Hope for Third Heathrow Runway. Ooh. Mm, quite exciting. Indeed. Uh, I wonder if EasyJet thinks they're getting a look in at Heathrow. I doubt it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. EasyJet has claimed airfares on some of the UK and European routes will be cut by nearly a third if a new runway is built at Heathrow. The Luton based budget airline said expansion of the London hub would lead to greater competition from more low cost carriers. It is urging MPs to support the third runway in the forthcoming Commons vote. Chief Commercial Officer Robert Carey, wasn't he the Archbishop at some point? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> said from Grace, this yeah. expansion would ena enable low-cost airlines to provide new routes and increase competition on dozens more UK and European routes. New entrants would launch flights to the UK and European airports not currently served by Heathrow. 
significantly lower than legacy airlines, so its fares on these services would be lower than those paid by passengers today. The company already operates from other major hub airports such as Amsterdam Schiphol and Paris Charles de Gaulle. Amsterdam, sorry, Heathrow's plan to build a third runway was given cabinet support last week and MPs will soon vote on it. Transport Secretary Chris Grayling said the £14 billion runway could be completed by 2026. It could be. The word there is could. Yeah, yeah, I know. And would entirely be funded by private money. There's a surprise. Yeah, okay. Uh, Do do you honestly see, like, someone like EasyJet or Ryanair flying out of Heathrow, though? I mean... No. In a word, no. (laughs) Okay, right, you know. (laughs) Do do think about it for a moment. (laughs) Well, I think BA will put up a big fight if they they do. They they probably need those extra slots. Um, Mm. There is a chance because uh, with that extra capacity, uh, they've got to let somebody in. But there's an awful lot of uh, Mm. uh, airlines currently operating that have been clamoring for slots and to have another airline come in and start grabbing them i think there'd be a huge furor mm. um amongst those who currently operate out of heathrow yeah. indeed so let's uh, let's have a, a plain talking uk sweepstake when do we think the new runway the third runway so what did they say it was will actually 2026 didn't they they actually yeah. said that it was going to happen I, i'm no, going to put could op- could be open by then yep. yeah so when I'm, do we actually think i reckon the runway will be open by 2030 carlos i am going to go Ooh, he's thinking you can smell the burning from here gents i'm going to actually i'm going <laughs> to say if this is all going to if this is going to be put through and it has been, it's been approved or whatever. And you think it might be done in time? I, I, I'm going to go for 27. 20, 27, you reckon just a year late? Yeah. yeah. It's mm. going to be a year late. I mean, I mean, I suppose in some respects, I mean, because there's been so much talk about the, the runway. I mean, if they, God, God help them if they were late with it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, what, what would your money be on, Nick? Uh, after I retire. Oh right, okay. Well, that, that's that, that. That's only a couple of years away, isn't it? So? <laughs> Less than that. <laughs> right. So, okay. Uh, actually, I reckon uh, once they get the go-ahead, uh, they'll pull all the stops out, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Now, how long will it take to get the go-ahead? Probably a year. Yeah. So I'm going to say 2025. Really? You reckon it's going to be really early? Yeah. yeah. I reckon it'll be there early. Okay. So. Let's have a look at, uh, for example, the new Berlin uh, mm. airport. That still hasn't opened. Um, so uh, what's that got to do with Heathrow? Well, not a lot other than the fact that the new Berlin airport was subject to a huge amount of public outcry. Right. And uh, I, I, I will be surprised if this runway opens before 2030. I really, really am. Okay. Yeah, there'll be a lot of Arthur Dents out there lying down in front of <laughs> lying down in front of it, busy well, making a fuss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, when was the last major runway built in the UK? That, off the top of my head, must be Manchester's second runway. Yeah, right. And Swampy and his mates delayed that by at least eighteen months. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, well, uh, the the quick straw poll here in the in the chat room actually, we've got uh, Richard Adams reckons it's going to be uh, twenty thirty five. Shorty Crosgrove is actually going for twenty twenty eight. Pilot Pip, the legend that is, obviously saying it's the first Friday after never. Apparently, he he's obviously convinced <laughs> it's never actually going to happen. But uh, yeah, it's uh, was it uh, uh, Mariana saying uh, Ari the runway? If the, if if it were here in the US, it would be at least ten years beyond the ETA and the cost twice the budget <laughs> and add a zero. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, that's quite. Well, that's probably yeah. going to happen anyway. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah, thing, I, the, the logic of this whole uh, argument by EasyJet is that prices will come down. Excuse me, uh, the airlines that are operating from Heathrow are going to have to pay this huge amount. Absolutely. Too, yeah, uh, absolutely. And so actually landing fees and costs of operating in Heathrow yeah. are going to go up, not go yeah, down. Right. Yeah. And cool, cool. low-cost carrier like Easy can cover that cost without increasing their fares, I don't know. Yeah, okay, cool. call me the cynic here, but I think this is just EasyJet jumping onto the Heathrow media uh, bandwagon yeah. and just, you know, coming up with a, a story, uh, their spin on things, because mm. I don't see them operating out of Heathrow. Uh, I, you know, I just don't don't see that, and I think they've just gone, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff about Heathrow and the media, Let, let's just throw our name into the hat. Yeah, just because yeah. if you, like, it's all about Google searches and things like that, isn't it? Yes. So if, you, if you're looking at the runway, you see the name EasyJet, you might book a holiday. Yeah. I, I yeah. can see the logic I mean, behind having that. Having said that, the, the express.co.uk have played, played a blinder, because in the oh, middle no. of this online article, there is the, the video of EasyJet flight from Paris declares emergency. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I saw that, yes. I, I chose not to play that. <laughs> but, uh, just call me old-fashioned. Uh, so moving on, let's move on to the next verbally abusive story. Okay. Um, so we haven't had a Jet 2 story for There's a more. while. There's yeah. more? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, should have, we should have dug the model out for this. I got it upstairs, Yeah, actually. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so this is on foxnews.com. Quite why Fox News would be having a Jet 2 story. Yeah, that's know, a but. slightly confusing thing. So yeah. the headline <laughs> is verbally abusive Jet 2 passenger playing with blow-up doll forces landing banned for life you have actually read this that it's not um right okay so an intoxicated passenger who forced a jet to flight to make an unscheduled landing in toulouse france has been banned for life from the airline (laughs) according to reports the male passenger was on the flight show title hard on and dull (laughs) so the 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 the, according to reports the male passenger who was on the flight from belfast northern ireland to ibiza spain as part of a bachelor party uh, the group of men were quite rowdy, right. apparently, when they came on board, so okay. the BBC. Uh, the disruptive passenger who was said to be drinking alcohol during the flight and playing <gasps> No, with, not a passenger drinking yeah. during flight. And he <gasps> was playing with uh, said air-filled uh, item. Receptacle. Was reportedly yeah. warned by <laughs> the flight crew. <laughs> That's even worse. And <laughs> <laughs> the pilot... <laughs> Sorry. About <laughs> his behaviour. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> Sorry, nice. yeah. Family show. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the one getting told off. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So apparently, apparently, as are two receptacle. <laughs> So apparently, the story goes on. I'm that, sorry. Um, uh, obviously, uh, the the captain. I don't think um, anyone cares anymore. Introduced <laughs> himself 
and gave a stern warning right. uh, to the passengers. And uh, he said that only alcohol brought on board could be consumed on the flight and duty-free could not be consumed, uh, as he told the passengers. And the passengers there were then refused alcohol by the flight attendants, who said the man became verbally abusive. Mm. Jet 2 said the decision to divert the plane was because of the uh, deplorable behaviour of a particularly disruptive customer, the BBC reported. Uh, we will not, under any circumstances, tolerate this type of disgraceful behaviour on board our aircraft, Phil Ward, managing director of Jet2, said in a statement, but we'll be taking further action in support of our crew to ensure the passenger is held accountable for his actions. And indeed, he has already received a lifetime ban from Jet2 flights. Another passenger tweeted about the man's behaviour, saying he was playing with the um, thing in front of... <laughs> <laughs> a passenger during the early morning flight. Passengers on board the plane suffered a three-hour delay because of the diversion, and passengers couldn't get off the plane uh, as it was roasting hot uh, on board, a passenger told the BBC. All of the uh, kids and children on the plane were so unsettled, and six hours in total when it should have been a three-hour flight. The airline commented on the incident, saying that alcohol was to blame for the man's actions, and it's very clear that consuming alcohol illicitly contributed to this behaviour, the airline said. In consultation with the captain, we've had to take the unusual decision to divert the aircraft as the situation on board escalated. Evening, honey. Taken <laughs> Hi, sweaty lady. <laughs> and Gemma has just walked in. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, wife. Hello, yeah. Uh, Je Je Gemma's just been for a run around Ersham, uh, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> Indeed. So I mean, it's it's yet another Jet Two story, really. That's, yeah. that's sort of it's the, it's the same sort do, of. Do you know what I've had? I've had two people I work with, um, uh, the company I work for now. They're, they're, they've both had flights and holidays with Jet Two in the last couple of months. And they both said they're fantastic. Yep. They're both, they're yep. both well, come back and said that Lisa the airline... Lisa and Lee can't, yeah, can't, can't fault them said the all, airline yeah. was really good. The crew, the crew and the, uh, the service they provided on board was, was mm. really top-notch. So, um, yeah. yeah. They've got a pretty reasonable curry on board, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, how, that's how it judges his uh, airlines, by the quality by of the food quality that's served food. during the... And, 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 and amen for, to that, sir. So. Absolutely. I'm guess, okay, I'm guessing... so what's the feeling amongst you guys about bringing uh, your own uh, booze onto an airplane and drinking it? Well, well I, 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 th I think yeah. it's... I think if you want to drink alcohol on board, then I think you should at least, uh, you know, do the do the service of of allowing the airline to make money from it. Frankly, um, if you want to drink a beverage, uh, an alcoholic beverage on board, you know, I, I don't know. It's because I suppose that those that aren't willing to well, pay. Well, you're those a former publican, aren't you, Matt? So you take a bit of a dim view of someone bringing their own booze into your pub. Very much. Yeah, so. That's yeah. the point yeah. I was going to make. Yeah, Al, yeah. Because you you don't take your own food to a restaurant. No, you don't. You don't take no. your own booze to a pub. No. Um, if the if the place you're going to sells food and drink, yeah. they would probably have a policy which says you don't bring your own food and drink because we're selling it. Yeah. Uh, so um, I can understand why they did that. I don't why no understand why people get up so upset about mm. not being able to drink their duty free on board. Apart I mean, from the fact that because the cabin crew cannot police uh, the amount being consumed by people, and they go from being quite pleasant passengers to being intoxicated. If I was being brutally selfish, I would argue that perhaps I wouldn't have a problem with somebody drinking on board duty-free if they bought it on board. They haven't bought it in the airport as they get on the plane. 
Can you see what I mean? I suppose then then suddenly it's very difficult to police these things. So if you've if you've bought, no, well, say a bottle of gin, the problem with that is that it comes in a sealed bag and you're supposed to have it sealed when you leave. So once yeah. you crack it, you're, you're a bit stuck, aren't you? Well, that that is the rumor. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, I I would say no, no. The, you 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 buy you buy proper booze on you don't mm. buy duty free on then drink it no but that you're right that that is a slight uh, di difficulty there the decision the, the decision to to do either divert or to to land at the nearest available airport obviously the crew of the sort of first contact with mm. passengers that are being disruptive but is the, the i'm guessing the final decision is yours as the uh, you know the captain Mm. Actually, yes, you're quite right. Uh, yeah. But uh, and nowadays it's much harder because in the old days we would go back and suss out the situation, mm. and if necessary, uh, I remember um, an old venerable captain said, uh, he says you put your hat and your jacket on, mm. and you go down there like you mean business, and uh, you can usually sort out most problems. Yeah. It doesn't always yeah. happen, but of course, uh, you know, with that full uniform air of authority, mm. I'm, I'm the ultimate. Uh, you know, boss on the airplane. So yeah. if you guys don't sit up, uh, sit down, and shut up. Yeah. Something major is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's usually sufficient, um, but uh, nowadays, of course, we mm. we're locked behind that door. We can't use that influence. No. Uh, and we rely almost entirely on uh, the, the verbal cabin, description yeah. of, that's coming from the crew in the back. Now, some of them are very good mm. at coping with these situations. Others, not so. Yeah, and which might result in an earlier diversion than other. Indeed, yeah. actually, I think one of the other factors is that um, as sort of you know the generations move on, um, I don't think that there's quite the same level of respect for the guy in the uniform as there may have been in in yeah. times Agreed. gone by, yeah. and I think that's probably borne out of the police service. They'll say to you that the the younger generation do not respect the police in the same way as the likes of sort of you know, our generation. Mm. I mean, certainly I, you know, I'm not suggesting for one minute that the police are holier than thou, no. and it will always be, uh, you know, the odd bad apple, if you like, mm. that's just society. But I've always respected the police, but I don't think that necessarily follows through now. And that's where, you know, we have some of the problems because there is no respect. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Actually, Chris Turnbull in the chat room, he was actually saying playing devil's advocate, um, he said playing devil's advocate, what, why should you not be allowed alcohol, why should you not be allowed alcohol but you're allowed soft drinks? I mean, I don't know. It's it's a tricky one, isn't actually, it? Actually, I think, who was it said, uh, I think it was Richard Adams said about um, having, where is it there? Yeah, corkage. A corkage fee. Yeah, a corkage pay, pay the fee. Airline a I think there'd yeah, be. I think there'd fee. be a few yeah. less people the, cracking open. Bars. Yeah, the difficulty that we face with all of this is, first of all, the average member of the travelling public doesn't understand that the effects of alcohol are far greater on a pressurised airliner than they would be, yeah. you know, on the ground. So, you're roughly, you know, one measure of alcohol on the ground is the equivalent of three when you're in the air. So if you got, you know, people who start doing, you know, Jaeger bombs on board, uh, you're going to have serious, serious issues very, very quickly. Well, we already have enough problems as it is. Um, so the, the control over the sale and consumption of alcohol on board, you know, is very akin to a pub in that you as a you know, a landlord or someone serving alcohol, you assess that person's capability. And if they say, right, I'll have, you know, 
three more, you know, ciders, please. And you go, well, actually, I think you've had enough. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's your prerogative, as I understand it, as a, as a landlord. You know, you're not obliged to serve alcohol. No, you're not. Um, and we're not obliged to serve alcohol on board the airline. But at least if we're serving it, we know how much has been yes. distributed, distributed, if you like. Person. You don't know how tanked um, they were when they got uh, on board, and, yeah. You know, the people just don't understand this concept mm. of how much more potent alcohol is on an airline. Mm. Interesting, actually, in the chat room, um, again, Glenn Towler is saying that in New Zealand you can buy your duty-free when you land. I do think that duty-free shouldn't be sold before takeoff. I think, well, I think, there's a great argument yeah, for that because there is. you don't really want to be flying around an airplane with hundreds of bottles of inflammable liquid that can fly Good around point. in an accident yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously burst into mm. flames. And uh, that's been suggested many times and completely mm. resisted by the airports mm. who make a lot of their profits selling to outgoing passengers. True. Yeah. So you have to change the, the, the whole outlook of passengers and say, look, you know, you, you've got to buy uh, at the airport when you land. Uh, and every airport has to do it, um, but uh, you get one airport that won't, and then uh, the whole system breaks down. It would have to mm. be coming from somewhere like the United Nations through ICAO yeah. that mandated that, yeah. because yeah. it requires everyone to sign up to, to comply. It. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, the aircraft also would be a lot more economical if you didn't have all that duty-free right, on true. board yeah. that the yeah. airlines were yeah. trying to sell, yeah, and that the passengers had already bought. Just think of all that weight. Every every pint mm. is a uh, pound every uh, liter is a kilo uh, and add all those extra kilos it's all that extra fuel burn we'd love yeah, to get true. rid of all yeah, the duty free that is true too. yeah absolutely but also do i mean for me i, I haven't shopped in a duty free shop for alcohol for years because for, you just I, go I, to the wrong place well no i, I you yeah, well, possibly yeah but all the airports i've ever flown into i could easily go down to the local supermarket here in, in the UK and buy a bottle cheaper than what they sell them in the duty-free shop. Well, that's because you're not really buying duty-free when you're going around Europe, because when you go into the States, it yeah. usually is. It really is duty-free, yeah, uh, absolutely. Difference. No, that is true. Yeah. So, Matt, do you want to get the yeah, uh, next certainly. Yeah, story? The next story is on The Guardian again, and the headline is Rolls-Royce to cut 3,000 jobs in the UK. Now, I heard this story during the week, very sad. Mm. Uh, and uh, it says uh, Rolls-Royce has announced uh, that it's to cut 4,600 jobs as part of a major shake-up of its business, mainly affecting managerial and administrative roles in the UK. Warren East, the aircraft engine maker's chief executive, said the UK would bear the brunt with around 3,000 of the job losses and that he would not rule out compulsory redundancy. Uh, it's a horrible decision. Never easy, he said. But that, that, but the costs, bleh, that the, <laughs> he said. But that the cuts were necessary if we want to be around for the next hundred years. The job losses will fall heavily on Derby, which is the group's biggest manufacturing base in the UK, which currently has a workforce of fifteen thousand seven hundred people. The firm's HR, finance, and legal departments are also based in Derby. Uh, some corporate and support jobs in Bristol, uh, its second biggest base in the UK, will also go. So while most of the cuts will be in the middle management jobs, engineers working on early stage design will also be laid off as they are not needed at present. The group said, Rolls-Royce said that it will still be hiring engineers in electrification and digitalization. Approximately 1,500 of the jobs will be axed by the end of the year. Uh, it is the company's biggest round of redundancies since 2001. 
It's really sad. So Rolls-Royce said that the move would simplify the business into three customer-focused units with smaller corporate and support functions and reduce management layers and complexity, including the en including within engineering. At the same time, it is ramping up production and hopes to be making 600 engines for wide-body aircraft by year 2020, twice as many as five years ago. The company employs 55,000 people worldwide. It has a workforce of 26,000 in the UK, which includes contractors. Britain's biggest union, Unite, warned Rolls-Royce against cutting too deep and too fast. Its uh, Assistant General uh, Secretary for Aerospace, Steve Turner, said this announcement will be deeply un up unsettling for Rolls-Royce workers and their families and would have a dire economic impact on local communities reliant on Rolls-Royce jobs. East, who took to the helm three years ago, expressed frustration at the pace of change at the business and said, uh, we must create a commercial organisation that is as world-leading as our technologies. We need to modernise the way in which we do business. I won't continue to read the story because it basically it's sort of going over itself. But uh, I think I, I think must say one thing. One thing that concerned me actually when I, when I, when this story, because again this has been on local news, mm. um, and they were saying actually I didn't realise, but basically they every engine that they sell they they lose like a million pounds on every single engine or something <laughs> stupid that they sell because they make their money on the the supporting of that engine, you know, and and do it. That. I mean, well, it's they've had this huge problem with the Trent 1000 with the Dreamliner. Yeah. Um, as as you know, I saw myself on the visit to Heathrow a few weeks yeah. back, and seeing all the various Virgin um, aircraft, mm. the Dreamliners, all sitting with, so with, with engines, no engines. Yeah, with no engines. Yeah, uh, underneath. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not been a good time mm. for Rolls Royce. No, it hasn't. And uh, gents, it's uh, unfortunately time for me <laughs> to leave the party. Uh, the taxi has arrived. Okay, oh. fair point. Uh, thank you ever so much. Yes, for thanks for joining us, Al. Al. And uh, yeah, we'll it's been a pleasure. I'm sorry, it's, uh, not it's at a all. short no. visitation for me, and I, you can uh, carry on to debate yeah. the merits of the uh, financial <laughs> setup. Of, Perhaps uh, you can create some mayhem next week. Frankly, uh, it's never made <laughs> yeah. any sense to me. Indeed, no, indeed. Thanks for joining us, Al, as always, and we'll catch up with you very Cheers, soon. Al. Take care, mate. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Ciao for now, as they say in Romania. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, I mean, uh, what are, what are your thoughts really on in regard to um, the, uh, the these engines? I mean, it, it's quite sad in lots of ways that uh, that well, any job cuts are, are occurring. This is a classic cost saving, and it's uh, being done. Uh, it's desperate measures. Uh, the the workforce. Uh, cutting your costs, cutting your overheads, if there's nothing else you can cut to save money, is an easy target. And it, it disappoints me enormously when management do this because th they built up a balanced workforce over the years and just chopping this, these guys, some of whom will be extremely well trained mm -hmm. uh, and capable means they're going to face even bigger problems in the future when they yeah. try to build back up. You just can't get rid of all that number of no. people uh, who are doing a good job and working yeah. hard um, so quickly and then uh, not be really desperate in the future when you need to get these people back. Um, so it's a real short-term desperate measure. Mm. It does indicate to me that uh, Rolls-Royce are having big problems at the moment. Uh, which is incredibly sad, but of course brought about by the, the uh, you know, design problems they're having with their engines, some of their engines. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I've seen uh, airlines do it when they're trying to uh, increase their profits. Mm. Um, and they 
chop people out and, and the airline operates so poorly afterwards because all of a sudden you find that you can't take away half the operations staff, half the, mm. the management staff without things falling through the yeah, cracks absolutely. and then you discover that um, oh, the actually, we did need that person. Mistakes, yeah, they yeah. build up over a time, mm. and you think, well, actually, we could have had ten people left them on, mm. let them carry on, and pay them for the cost of this mistake that was just made, yeah. and that is an absolute classic. So I think it's a bit of uh, short-term short yeah. management desperation uh, that uh, it sees these kind of cuts. It is a shame. Yeah. It's a, a big manufacturer, not you know going back. Quite a few years, you know, what I've said before, the Rolls were the RB211 engine, you know, that Rolls had trouble with when they first, you know, built and produced that engine. But now it, it was, it still is, I think, one of the, the sort of best uh, power plants um, around. Would you agree? Certainly Nick? the most famous. Well, I, to tell the truth, um, a power plant's a power plant, an engine's an engine, uh, you know, you move the throttle as up, it goes, and that's all you really care about. The airlines are interested in the bottom line. They want to know what fuel savings uh, against weight, uh, against maintenance costs uh, that an engine is going to produce, and they're the ones that do all the balancing from a pilot's perspective. Whilst you might go, oh, it's great to fly a British engine. Quite honestly, I've flown engines from all sorts. Yeah. And so long as they damn work, I don't care who builds them. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I have a you know, place in my heart for Rolls-Royce because mm. they've been around a long time. Mm. And they have built some fantastic engines. And they have a superb reputation. They but do. it uh, doesn't take much for that reputation to be... Is mm. as eroded as their um, experiencing, compressor yeah. blades are in mm, the yeah. uh, Trent engines well, that and, and uh, I, are I, on the Dreamliner. I remember Carlos saying when he came back from his visit to, to Heathrow when you went with your dad, didn't you? And, yeah. and it was and that was one one of your striking memories was literally all of these massive air 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 carriers, you know, with, with engines missing. Yes, yeah, two two of the biggest just carriers like, in the UK, you know, yeah. B, uh, uh, British Airways and Virgin, you know, mm. just with aircraft just sitting there with with uh, engines. Um, not on them. Well, that's exactly right, and the because uh, that rolls on because the airline can never recover all its costs, mm. and certainly in the short term, those yeah. airlines that have aircraft sitting mm. around uh, are losing money hand over fist. Yeah, and because when we were covering the story, actually, when we were asking the question, I mean, presumably at the end of the day, that the buck will stop with Rolls Royce, isn't it? This is going to this engine issue and the blades, as, as you're saying, is going to cost them money. Yeah, that's yeah. something they a burden they will have to carry. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the last thing anyone wants is for the company to go uh, down the tubes. Yeah, absolutely. Because not only do you then suddenly have a bunch of airlines without any power plants, yeah. all that money that you're expecting to uh, be compensated for won't now arrive because the airline, the uh, engine manufacturer is bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it just turns into a nightmare, mm. which could bring down airlines. Which is definitely not not the way forward. So from one engine yeah. woe to another one, yeah. there's next stories on the ArabNews.com website, and the headline is Airbus Pratt & Whitney CFM on track with recovery plan for A320 engines. Now, this uh, was uh, comes out of Hamburg. Engine makers Pratt & Whitney and CFM are on track with a recovery plan after days. Uh, delays left Airbus having to park dozens of aircraft without engines, an executive at the European Playmakers said on Thursday. They've agreed on a plan with both of them to catch up with the production, and both are now hitting their targets, and they're on track, which is good news, Klaus Rowe, head of A320 Jet Family Programme, told reporters in Hamburg. 
so the delays in getting engines from United Technologies Unit Pratt and Whitney and CMF in, uh, FM International, uh, co-owned by Safran and General Electric, have left Airbus lagging behind the pace it needs to reach its full year delivery goal. With jets left parked at its production sites while they wait for engines, Rowe said Airbus would have uh, reduced production had it not uh, known the extent of the problems. Uh, did we intend to build so many airframes to park them? For sure not, said Rowe. If we had known the size of the technical and industrial problems, we might have slowed production down. He said Airbus would not be parking aircraft by the end of the year, but would still be in arrears in terms of deliveries. So it's safe to say with all these new new power plants that are um, kind of appearing quite frequently in, or in the last few years, you know, is it a, is, I mean, would it be a case, would you say, of technology leaping a little bit too far ahead, um, you know, in respect to these new engines? I don't know. I, don't, I can't help but think may, maybe the testing isn't being done properly. Well, I, mean, I, I, don't you know. I think the testing's probably being done. I think it's... I, I know it's just it just seems so funny that we all for years and years we've never had any kind of issues with um But is it because this is the first time that they're moving away from ahead, yeah, yeah is it, I mean yeah. it's that I suppose when you're making minor tweaks to an already you know far, you know hard and fast well tested product it's like if you if you essentially attempt to reinvent the wheel is is that mm. what then starts what, causing um, problems when, when it comes uh, to stuff like this. The the three forty engines on the aircraft you fly, Nick, are they um uh, I, I think they're aero engines? Uh we've got Rolls Royce Trents. Oh they're Trents, are they? Yeah. Okay. Uh the five hundreds. Um yeah. but uh, the Airbus A three forty three hundreds that we initially had, they had uh, CFM fifty sixes on. I think the situation uh is that um, in the old days, we were building bigger and bigger airplanes, and the engine manufacturers were just striving for power. They were trying to get more and more power out of these massive engines to build what appeared to be an ever-growing uh, airliner size. Um, now the focus is in a different area. We're looking for efficiency gains. So where they were just looking for raw power, now they're looking to trim their engines down so that they produce uh, much improved fuel uh, efficiency and a, re a reduction in weight. So they're trimming everything back to, uh, you know, to pare everything down and make it as light and as efficient as possible. This is a different direction and it's complicated. Uh, mm. And whilst they go for these incredibly exotic materials, these fantastic looking blades, uh, it is a slightly different um, technology. Mm. and. You know, airliner engines would normally last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I don't think they've really thought quite far enough ahead. Now, their engine monitoring systems are brilliant, so that I don't think there's ever going to be any danger because they can see an engine that's having a problem and they will pull it off the wing well before it gets to a situation where it becomes a flight safety hazard. But what it does mean is that. Uh, whilst they're trying to build more and more engines, they're also getting more re being returned to them for mm. various problems. And some of them turn out to be quite large design problems, which can't be just solved by putting a new disc of blades on or replacing a few blades or whatever. Um, they're actually having to go, in some cases, back to the drawing board, which is really expensive. And when you think of the unit cost of these engines, uh, it's a major problem for them. Yeah. 
Agreed. It's uh, it is a tricky one. Uh, who's doing the next story then? Carl? The next story's for you, Matt. And it's is it? uh, it's a, right. this this next story for Matt is a bit of a um, I'm going to say a bit of a snappy story. Right. Okay. And, and Nick's going to have a go next, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So oh, anyway, this go. is this is on the uh, CBS uh, website, and the headline is alligator uh, moseying across Orlando <laughs> Airport tarmac, halts plane trying to taxi to gate. Uh, so as you do. So why why did the gator cross the tarmac? <laughs> to get to the pond on the other side. Hmm. An alligator on the tarmac at Orlando International Airport on Monday briefly delayed a Spirit Airlines flight trying to taxi to its gate. Passengers on the plane were shocked to look out of their window and see the gator moseying across the taxiway. AirLive, and aviation news website, reports. Passenger Anthony Verlandi said that the plane had just landed from Washington, D.C. when he spotted the reptile on the taxiway. He immediately looked, took out his phone and began filming. The slow-moving gator walked across the asphalt to a small pond only in florida he wrote uh, it's uh, the sauntering gator had been viewed over 23,000 times on facebook and amused some of uh, verlandi's uh, fellow passengers on the plane it took about five minutes for the gator to get safely out of the way and the plane had to wait so uh, there's not really a lot more i can add to that story there is a, a, apparently a fascinating video if i can get it to play so it's uh, we'll, we'll see if we can I get it to do that yeah absolutely yeah you, you, you know you hear stories about uh, aircraft you know, um, unfortunately, hitting uh, cattle or larger animals on runways and stuff. But I just thought, there you he know, is moseying across an the tarmac. Alligator, yeah. just having a little trot there, <laughs> just having a little stroll across the tarmac, as you do. <laughs> not really bothered. No, by not fast at all. Anything yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, slow news day was it this week? Carl? Ever, ever <laughs> been ever, ever been halted, uh, Nick, by uh, by a reptile? Wildlife? <laughs> uh, not that I can recall. Plenty of other things, but uh, not an alligator not yet. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> well, indeed, there I we are. I just love the ways he's walking across there. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. good. Yeah, he's in no hurry, is he? He's in no <laughs> hurry, no. So, uh, next story then, uh, Captain Nick on uh, BBC News for you. Uh, of course, you've given me this, I know why, and I'm actually <laughs> drinking water tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, I've noticed Captain L was too. Mm. So, uh, this is BA uh, Gatwick Airport, doubles a vodka's pilot jailed. Oh. That doesn't really flow, that headline, no. does it? But there you go. A British Airways pilot who turned up for work after drinking three double vodkas has been jailed. Wow. Uh, and I have to say, from my point of view, quite right. Um, yeah. Julian Mo- Monaghan aboarded uh, a plane to Mauritius at Gatwick Airport and was led away in handcuffs after colleagues smelled alcohol and called the police. He had 86 milligrams of alcohol per, alcohol per 100 milligrams liter sorry of blood um, in his system in January the legal limit for pilots is 20 uh, and in some countries I might point out it's zero and you have to obey the law of the country you're in not the country where you think you live or fly from so you know you go to Australia for example uh, and you're uh, breath tested there you better have zero well, or yeah. you're going to be in trouble so um, Monaghan 49 year old oh, I see you know he wasn't even the end of his career, admitted being over the prescribed limit and was jailed for eight months, which I think is reasonably lean, uh, at Lewis Crown Court. During sentences, Judge Janet Whittacott uh, told him, who had resigned from his British Airways job, you took a risk and it didn't pay off because you were caught. Okay. Um, yeah. 
earth-shattering statement. Mm. Uh, you're in charge of a huge aircraft. The safety, if not the lives, indeed, of the passengers and crew members are in the hands of the pilot. Very true. They're entitled to feel they're safe. They, they are safe. Yes, I agree. On arrest. Uh, Monaghan uh, from South Africa told police he drank a glass of wine on his overnight flight as a passenger from Cape Town to Heathrow. He said he consumed a measured vodka with Diet Pepsi in his hotel room on an empty stomach and barely slept for his due on board uh, the flight to Mauritius. Well, he, he must have been pretty fatigued having done an overnight flight and then not slept all day. So he shouldn't really have been pitching up for work anyway. He no. should have called in fatigued. Yeah. Uh, if he had, he wouldn't have had this problem. The uh, court heard Monaghan had since remembered drinking three miniature bottles of vodka. Uh, that's quite a lot. He insisted he obeyed the company's eight-hour bottle of throttle. Well, actually, most sensible airlines have a 24-hour um, rule, and uh, for some it's like 24 hours, uh, and that's moderate drinking, 12 hours, no drinking at all. It depends on the airline, but that also depends on the uh, person's physiology. That is just a guideline. It does not ensure that uh, you are, of course, alcohol-free. I mean, when, as, I know I know it's slightly different, obviously. But when I'm when I've been bus driving and, and stuff, even now, like if if I'm if for example, I'm maybe I'm being overly cautious, but like you know, I will have something to drink on Saturday, but I will literally not drink a thing all day Sunday if I'm driving Monday morning. Do you know what I mean? It's just because just not worth the risk. Well, that's exactly right. And the limits for you as a bus driver yeah. are more relaxed um, yeah. than it would be for, for an airline pilot. Mm. So, yeah, I, I applaud you for that. Um, so, anyway, he had initially queried the, the results of the test but resigned two months after his arrest when further tests confirmed the samples were accurate. Do you remember the two pilots that uh, were caught in Glasgow? And, yes. Uh, yeah. It turns out yeah. that uh, the, their personal samples of blood had been accidentally destroyed in their uh, overnight stay in a jail. Mm. Well, that's what you're entitled to do. You're entitled yeah. to have the police do one yeah. test, and you're allowed to take a sample and do have it tested separately, and they weren't given that opportunity, so they um, were had the case against them dropped. Yeah. Uh, I'll say nothing more about that, because obviously there was no evidence placed mm. against them. Yeah, um, not, not good, yeah. Exactly right. The prosecutor said the uh, amount reading taken at 22.30 remains so high that he must have drawn a significant quantity just before the eight-hour limit. Um, yeah, some 300 people were on the 12-hour flight, which had been scheduled to leave at uh, 2020. Uh, the Boeing 777 was left waiting at the gate while staff looked for a, another pilot. Eventually took, took off just before 11 o'clock. Um, and Monaghan would not have taken up the role of pilot until three and a half hours into the flight. I think that's a pretty weak excuse. When you pitch up in uniform, you should be yeah. available for duty, regardless of when yeah. you're actually going to be at the control. So I think that's uh, no excuse whatsoever. Um, they also said his childhood dreams to, was to be a pilot. He'd been extremely stupidly and bitterly regretted your actions. But it's not like we're all uh, beginners in this world of aviation and we all know what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do i think that's uh 
he is feeling pretty stupid and bitterly regrets it, uh, but that is no defence whatsoever. No, I completely agree with you. And, and of course, this is the thing: is, is he does know what he does for a living, so he's got no exactly. excuse as to that. There is genuinely no excuse uh, for for what he did. I think. I mean, I I, yep. I take a very militant view about it all. If I'm on the story you know. says um, uh, Nick, he says that he's certain he will, he'll never fly as a commercial pilot again. I mean, is this a case of his commercial license will be taken away and not ever? Give him back? No, I don't think that's probably the case. I think uh, he would probably uh, be able to regain his uh, his license if uh, he, um, you know, um, did sufficient. Um, what am I thinking of? You know, was, uh, he proved that he was a reformed character, and he wasn't mm. going to make this yeah. mistake again. Because uh, I think we're all probably entitled to uh, serve our time, have our punishment, and then go, right, well, I'm a reformed person now. I'm not ever going to do that again. And if no. people trust you in that regard, then uh, I don't think you should, you know, it's not like he shouldn't be allowed to go and get any job again because uh, most jobs require you to be sober when you're at work. Uh, for being an airline pilot, well, yeah, course, it doesn't it's matter what the job is. Important. Yeah. It, it literally doesn't matter what the job is. I mean, you know, even if you, but perhaps being a landlord is one of the few occasions where you where you can sort of have a drink with your your regulars. But I can't think of any other situation where drink consuming alcohol at work is in any way acceptable. Exactly right. Yeah. And there are a lot of jobs where you hold people's uh, lives in your hands, whether yeah. it be in a nuclear power station, yeah, uh, driving a uh, a passenger cruise ship. Or what, you know? Anything, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it really doesn't matter. So uh, the British Airways said the behaviour was completely unacceptable and not what we expect from our highly professional fleet mm. of pilots. And then they came out with something I've never heard an airline Ooh, say before. Right. The safety and security of our customers and colleagues is always our top priority. Okay. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the standard. Uh, we're always going to say this. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll say it anyway. Just we're going to say it anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't need to. Yeah. Oh, well. There we go. Silly bug. Anyway, yeah, moving on to the next story. Okay. And, Don't sit uh, on the fence, Carlos. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, before I read the next story, I'm just going to say a quick hello to uh, Lewis, a new listener of the show who's oh, watching okay. uh, the live show. So hello to you, Lewis. Hello, Hope you're enjoying Lewis. the show. Um, the next story is on the newsbiscuit.com. I beg your pardon? Newsbiscuit.com. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Did we go there for our news, our aviation news regularly? Oh, custard creams. <laughs> um, <Right>. Anyway, <laughs> EasyJet to introduce pre-cancelled flights. I'm sorry, what? Is this a joke site? <laughs> Have you looked at this? <laughs> EasyJet to introduce pre-cancelled flights. In a bold move to reduce the amount of time that passengers spend waiting for flights that never take off, EasyJet had to introduce the pre-cancelled flight. Hours of frustrating and pointless waiting will be eliminated and delays could be made a thing of the past. Flights will be booked as normal with the added choice of pre-cancellation for a small fee, said an EasyJet spokesperson. For a small fee, customers will no longer need to wait around in the airport, living off overpriced takeaway food and choking on their own sense of injustice. Instead, they can experience the disappointment of cancelled flights. Expect uh, that the type of customers that this will appeal to will be people who didn't want to go anyway. Uh, business people wanting to pull a sickie or old blokes that are bored with ranting about people parking outside their house right. and in need of a new outlet for their bile. <laughs> 
Okay. As part of the pre-cancellation service, EasyJet will provide an automated telephone line where people can phone and rant about how they will never use EasyJet again and will book with British Airways next time. Right, yes, because they never cancel flights, of course. Yeah, no, right. uh, The website will provide uh, a picture of uh, a member of EasyJet staff with the, an expression of their face that screams, whatever. Uh, we know you'll come back right, because okay. you are cheap to support the call service. So I assume this is a site along the lines of like the Onion and like the Suffolk yeah. Gazette and things like that. Well, it, it's right. on a few of the other news um, <laughs> news streams as well. These yeah. pre I, I think it's just kind of. Um, I think it's a, a way joke. of that's what it is. No, it's, it's a humor. It's, it's not real, Carlos. It is real. It's oh, it not is real. real. It is real. I, I, I love it. I, I'm looking for that emoji with the expression <laughs> on the face that screams, whatever you know, well, yeah. Well, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> I know which emoji that is, and I want one. No, no, I, absolutely. I think we should have one for all of our phones. Yeah. I, like the, I like to hope that any flyer book actually goes and leaves right. okay. and doesn't get cancelled. <laughs> And if it does get cancelled, I want yeah. an upgrade to first class. Yes, indeed, yes. Or an overall <laughs> yeah, Of course, seat. yeah, absolutely. If, yeah, if, where is the first class on easy? Uh, uh, I think it's in the luggage hold, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> first class seat on any EasyJet or Ryanair flight is, is the flight deck seats. Right, okay. Um. As with any aircraft, I think, <laughs> okay. of any description. Yeah, okay. See, see, Nick is actually lost for words. There, there's a first. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to work out how you make that seat turn into a bed. <laughs> Yeah. I, don't you guys put your feet up on the uh, dashboard when you're flying? Certainly not. Okay. Oh, we put them on the uh, the footrests. I thought that's what that table was in front of you on the Airbus. That's where you put your beverages. You don't put your feet in the table, do you? God, I'm not going to eat in your house again. I cannot imagine that Gemma would ever allow you to put your feet on any table in this building. Exactly. <laughs> what say you, Gemma? Absolutely. Gemma has standards. Yes, indeed. No is the short answer. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely not. Not no. in any way, shape or form. Anyway. Nick could apparently uh, Nick you, you would have specialty but he wouldn't you see because he's a gentleman he wouldn't do that yeah. No. yeah at least take my shoes and socks off well he says he'd at least take his shoes and socks off of course that's very respectful Absolutely. anyway moving on before next yes, somebody gets story. in probably me yeah. it's Flight Global so we're actually going to a real news story this time <laughs> the there's actually a picture for this oh is that uh, right you, okay. you can bung up after you right okay so this is Flight Global and the headline is Lufthansa assessing damage to A340 after tug fire oh yes 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 this is uh, yeah. this was not good I saw this in the news so Lufthansa is, Lufthansa is still assessing the damage to the Airbus a340-300 caught up in a ground tractor fire at Frankfurt Main Airport. The aircraft suffered smoke contamination of its forward fuselage, but images from the scene also indicate that the nose skin was breached during the blaze, uh, with the strong possibility that smoke entered the cockpit and cabin. There is no confirmation on the damage itself, says Lufthansa. There's currently an assessment of the situation, and it will take some days. German Air Accident Investigation Authority, BF FU is not probing the accident because the aircraft was not engaged in any air transport operation at the time. Lufthansa confirms, however, that the tow tractor involved was a diesel-powered vehicle and not one of the new electric e-tug tractors uh, put into operation at Frankfurt. So the ground, ground handling from firm Lufthansa Leos, a subsidiary of Lufthansa Technik, uh, recently put a second e-tug into service at the hub. The uh, vehicle, developed, developed by Sweden's Kalmar Motor and fitted with lithium-ion batteries, is able to tow long-haul types, uh, including the Airbus A380 and Boeing 747, and is designed to cut emissions by 75% compared with a conventional tractor. Leos uh, began using the vehicle at Frankfurt in 2016 and moved back 
um, and provided feedback to improve the tractor before taking on the second. So there's a picture that was uh, that Matt has got. I'll pop up in a second. Uh, I'm guessing you obviously saw this story, Nick. Um, one of your much-loved aircraft with a with a slight um, issue to the uh, the flight deck floor. I think. Yeah, we were surprised. You thought it was a funny place to have a barbecue, but. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it it was a bit a bit of a sad end. I suspect mm. that airplane will probably be too expensive to uh, make it worthwhile repairing, yeah. which is uh, a shame. Looks like I mean that 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 bit underneath the uh, cockpit there, where is the avionics bay, and there's just so much incredibly expensive equipment down there uh, that um, you know that will have been destroyed. Um, that. You know, I do think to myself, yeah, little chance of that one getting off mm. again. Sure. I mean, that's got to be a write-off, surely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I would have yeah. thought so. I mean, it's, yeah. it's obviously is fixable, but whether it's worth the cost, because, yeah, uh, in, you know, they, they may well be phasing those aircraft out in preference for something uh, like a 350. Well, indeed, that is true. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, difficult one. I bet the engineer sitting on the brakes at the time was going... Uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? Yes, because the people he normally speaks to were down there on the tug, and they were probably legging it across the yeah. airfield. Aborting, he was probably yeah. sitting out there going, "Uh, chaps." This, I mean, <laughs> this this aircraft, Nick, was not was not be, not any passengers on board. But is there when it's being towed? Is there still someone on the flight deck, or an engineer, or someone? Oh on yes, the flight? there's yeah. always a brake man. Yeah, uh, because yeah. Um, you know, even uh, most aircraft still tow with the tow bar. Uh, obviously, some have uh, the tow bar less ones where they l actually lift up the front wheel and trap it inside a little um, box area. Um, but uh, those tow bars uh, do break. And uh, if they break, then the airplane is going to freewheel its way across the airfield. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, you need someone on the brakes there to bring it to mm -hmm. a halt uh, in case that tow bar breaks or in case the uh, the tug loses power or something and they need to uh, have an emergency stop of some kind. Yeah. So, Nick, the last story we've left for you, then, uh, on the Aviation Herald, this one. Okay, sir. Uh, this is um, a uh, <laughs> Qantas uh, A388 and another Qantas A388 over the Pacific on June the 10th. Weight turbulence causes altitude deviation. So, uh, Qantas Airbus, uh, the registration for those of you who are... Uh, worrisomely um, concerned about such things is uh, Victor Hotel, uh, Oscar Quebec Kilo, was uh, performing flight QF94 from LA to Melbourne and was en route. He was a flight level 310 of the Pacific about a couple of hours into the flight when he encountered turbulence which caused uh, his aircraft to descend for about 10 seconds before the crew recovered the aircraft and returned it to its assigned flight level. Uh, the aircraft climbed to flight level 320 shortly afterwards and continued for a safe landing without any further incident. Um, the other aircraft was an A380-800 registration. Oh, that's the same aircraft. Wait a minute. Yeah, ah, no, it wasn't. Eighties. Victor Hotel Oscar Quibet Foxtrot. So a few letters uh, different on the alphabet there. It was on QF-12 from uh, LA to Sydney, so a very similar uh, routing um, at flight level 320 and um, he was obviously um, just a thousand feet above uh, Qantas uh, 9-4 um, when they had the turbulence. So 
The currents uh, became known by passenger reports, which means to say that the pilots uh, did not think it significant enough to um, actually bother raising at their safety report. So uh, I suspect the um, uh, um, Australian authorities uh, got some reports from passengers indicating they had perceived a sudden loss of weight and were holding hands. When the aircraft nosedived for about 10 seconds, the, account, the uh, captain announced they had experienced wake turbulence from another A380 and were talking to ATC about to change their flight path. Um, so uh, the current theory is that uh, the uh, QF-94 behind got a bit of turbulence from QF-12 ahead, so no big deal. Uh, the Qantas chief pilot explained uh, that um, it had some weight turbulence from the leading aircraft, 1,000 feet above, caused a jolt to the aircraft for a short period of time with pitch variations of up to 3 degrees. The aircraft climbed maybe 100 feet and descended back to its cruise altitude. Captain took action to avoid further exposure uh, to the weight vortex. There were no injuries, no damage. The occurrence has been reported to the, the ATSB and the aircraft manufacturer, but I suspect uh, only as a result of the fact that they were asked what was going on. Mm. And now uh, this is the sort of thing you do sometimes get. Uh, those of us on the flight deck, uh, of course, we have our instruments and we know we can see clearly outside. We know exactly what's going on. Uh, and when you're in an aircraft and you have no other reference than your, your little inner ears and your senses that tell you uh, what they think the world is doing around you, it's incredibly easy for those to be uh, misled. Uh, and it's something that mm. pilots learn about and train not to rely on their inner ear. There's no pilot in the world that would really stay alive if he was flying around in cloud, according to the, the seat of the pants feeling, yeah. which is yeah. what this kind of inner ear and your own perception of what's going on around you gives you. So uh, when you're sitting there and you think the airplane is going into a nosedive, and it might be descending a lot. On the flight deck, they're completely untroubled because the aircraft's only moving 30, 40, 50, or in this case, perhaps 100 feet. I mean, it's, it's an insignificant uh, deviation. It might feel slightly uncomfortable if the airplane is jolted hard, uh, but uh, the actual physical uh, movement of the airplane is very slight. Uh, and the danger is, uh, is negligible. So this is just, uh, I'm sorry to say, a classic of um, people in the back of the airplane, and I, sus I think one of them from a report I read in another paper was actually a news reporter making something out of absolutely nothing. So yeah. Nick, there's a couple of questions from um, one of the listeners which is on the show notes, if you've got that in front of you. I'll just pull them up. He's uh, while he's just doing that, actually, it's just worth uh, mentioning. Actually, while um, while Nick's just doing that, we've we, we've had a, a, a I've had a, a message sent to me via David. David was in the chat room. Uh, David Corson was in the chat room earlier, and he just said, "Hi, I hope uh, I hope I might be the first person to be watching the live show whilst flying. Although I shouldn't, act, although I couldn't actually listen, I'll be catching up. Though have a great show." The guys are saying. Uh, he did say also that actually he wasn't in charge at the time when when he was he wasn't uh, watching the show. But the, he just sent me a couple of pictures, which is just really nice. Hey, while he was, David. Uh, so these Good are job. actually um, literally beamed, beamed to us in the last couple of minutes. So, yeah, nice oh, one, awesome. David. Thank you very much Thank for you, that. David. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, Nick. Yes, do, um, do, do see what uh, the listeners have. Yeah, I, fa I found it now, and it's, uh, it's a qu some questions from Andy from the UK who yeah. says, 
uh, or asks, how does weight turbulence just after takeoff differ, if at all, from the weight turbulence at flight levels? Well, it's basically caused by the same thing. Uh, it's the wingtip vortices, but not just the wingtip vortices. You get vortices from various parts of the aircraft. The wingtip vortices, and when you're configured with your flaps down, um, the flap vortices from the edges of the flaps can also be quite large. Um, it's, uh, it's the air that is above the wing trying to get uh, below the wing. You know there's a... Uh, I sorry uh, the other way around below the wing trying to get above the wing you know there's lower pressure on top of the wing mm. and there's a slightly higher pressure under the wing now air will always try to go from high pressure to low pressure so the air under the wing is always trying to escape around the wingtip and get to the top of the wing and in doing so it creates a circular vortex which emanates from the wingtip and trails back behind and it forms a cone-like vortex uh, and they sit there when you're in the cruise, uh, you know, they're, they're a significant vortex, they're a significant vortex on the ground. They behave slightly differently in the takeoff and landing scenario because obviously they interact with the ground. In the uh, air, there's not much to move them uh, because uh, unless there's a, a strong jet stream blowing that might slightly drift them uh, and the aircraft. Um, so. On the ground, um, they tend to move along the ground, uh, and they can move into the path of a landing aircraft, and that could be quite difficult. So uh, you have to keep an eye on the crosswind uh, that's going to hold these vortices in position or clear them away out of the way. Um, but that's why there is a significant timing restriction, particularly if you're a lighter aircraft following a heavier aircraft, because obviously the bigger the aircraft, the more lift it needs and the larger the vortex. Um, so the air traffic controllers normally look after that, give you a distance or a time separation, and it also depends upon um, whether you've got airborne from an adjacent runway, the same runway, um, whether it's a crossing runway, what the angle is. It all gets quite complicated, and air traffickers are pretty good about working all that stuff out. Once you're airborne, it's the same vortex you're trying to avoid but now it's a lot easier and often it's quite visible because you can normally see the um, the chemtrails coming out of the back of the engines where we've got the chemtrails turned on um, and so that gives you an indication of where the turbulence from the wingtips will be because you've got a physical line but even if not if you're sitting dead astern on an aircraft and um, he's very close to your altitude there is a chance that you're going to pick up a a vortex. Now, the rule book says, or the, the, the generally um, uh, agreed theory, is that uh, uh, the vortex from a wing uh, starts to drift down quite quickly, within a few miles, and uh, will usually stabilize or dissipate about 500 feet below uh, the aircraft ahead. So if you're a thousand feet below, you're usually fine and safe. Um, however, uh, and by 20 miles behind, they are completely gone usually. Um, however, uh, since we now fly within a thousand feet of each other, that's not a huge separation, only a few hundred feet. Um, it's quite sensible to offset. So we call that a strategic offset. And in certain areas, uh, it's formalized. Uh, in other areas, air traffic insist upon it, like in China, for example, they will often insist upon a strategic offset. Uh, or you can just choose to do it. Sometimes you have to ask tra air traffic's permission, sometimes you don't. And all you do is you displace your track uh, a mile or perhaps two miles uh, offset from the guy ahead of you. 
so that there's no chance that that uh, turbulence will drift down onto you. We're no, usually not concerned about it if we're a, a heavy aircraft following another heavy, heavy aircraft. Um, I personally prefer to not spill any champagne, so I will make sure that <laughs> quite right, quite right. I, I'm displaced if I think there's going to be a problem. But uh, if I was a lighter aircraft, like Pilot Pip's uh, little mosquito he flies around in, uh, what is it now, the lemon, that's it, uh, then I would make sure I was like miles away. But uh, if I was flying another big airplane, then I wouldn't be quite concerned because they could obviously handle it mm. easier. And all you do is you just put your aircraft slightly to one side and type into the computer, I want to offset one mile right or whatever you've decided is a, is a safe limit. Mm. Um, even if you do encounter this turbulence, if you're a big airplane following a big airplane, it's just a little uncomfortable. You just get bounced around a little bit. It's, it's not a significant problem. Mm. Uh, obviously, for uh, a, a bizjet behind a 380 or encountering a 380 turbulence, it can be a pretty severe event. Uh, hence that uh, aircraft uh, over in the Middle East there that uh, got turned upside down a few times and pretty badly damaged that divert. And uh, I don't think the airplane's going to fly again. Mm. So that's uh, have I done the questions. Uh, after takeoff, is it different from the flight levels? Not really. It's the, it's the same source. There's slightly less when you're at altitude because you don't have any uh, flat policies coming mm. away. How much separation should there be between commercial aircraft when at cruise height? Well, n none if you're at uh, different altitudes. Uh, okay, because, uh, you know, it's that's the whole point. You're flying at a different altitude, you're clear to do your own thing. But as I said, any sensible chap who's trailing another large aircraft uh, and sitting right behind it in that sort of five mile to 20 mile regime. I would be tempted to move, and if I've got a big aircraft crossing ahead of me at the same altitude, then I will uh, be aware, and I might just flick the belts on, uh, put the seatbelt signs on, just until I'm sure that we're going to be clear uh, of any residue. Uh, if you're at the same altitude and you, the aircraft's crossed ahead, his weight should drop down below you, because it is going to drift down to about 500 feet below his previous altitude. Uh, so it, you should, in theory, miss it, but always better to be safe and make sure everyone's strapped in just in case. Well, thank you very much for that, Nick. Always a list. That's very good. That's answered the question. I'm hope, uh, hope that's uh, hope Andy answered everything that, for yeah, Andy. Yeah. So that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. So coming up next, it is the uh, little piece that we were going to play last week, but we ran out of time. And uh, those of you who uh, follow the show might uh, know that uh, a certain young host sitting opposite the table to me <laughs> here uh, had a little jolly not so long back over to Italy. Young with, host? <laughs> with, uh, I know, he was younger than me by about a yeah, month or two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Had a little yeah. jolly over to Italy with, uh, with Owen. Yes, and, who uh, is very young. Who is very yeah. young. Yeah. And also... Uh, uh, Owen and uh, Matt met up with uh, Jenny Parkinson over yeah. in Rome, Jenny and Rome. they also met Grant McCarran, the legend who, that is, that most of yeah. you will know, who is from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Yeah. So, Matt, if you wouldn't mind just playing that out for us. Indeed, here right we now. go. So, regular listeners to the show will know that uh, I've uh, taken a little trip to Rome, and uh, it means uh, that while we're here, I've literally been able to meet like a living legend. I'll, I'll be honest, he's got a funny colour now. Uh, and uh, I'm sitting here in a beautiful uh, taverna, is that the correct term? Oh, uh, yes, little cafe? Uh, Restaurante, cafe, sito, um, ojo. 
Oh. And, oh, lovely. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, wacko. Oh, I say. Nibbles to have with your beer. We have nibbles. Uh, yes. I'll include some photos. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're in a little uh, little cafe, yeah, basically. Yeah, cafe. Yeah. And it is, um, it is now 10 o'clock in the evening on our local first day time. here, local time. Uh, and uh, as I say, the local legend I'm sat with is none other than Sir Grant of McCarran. <laughs> yeah, well, hi guys. Yeah, it's me. And I've had one extra day to try and acclimatise the local time zone. But the thing that's helping me is alcohol, and we have another plate of that just about to arrive. Oh, fabulous. It's just, yes. And I've got a cocktail. I, I, I've decided that I'm going yeah. to uh, throw caution into the wind. And I, Thank Spritz, you very much. Grazie. Cheers. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Grazie. It looks like sort of grazie. like Fanta. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's an Aperol <laughs> Spritz, dude. You'll love it. Wow. We've got nibbles and everything. Corn chips. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, so what on earth are you doing in Rome, Grant? I'm here with work. Right. Uh, there is a user forum for the, um, the principal vendor of software that we use on the system that I manage uh, back home in Australia uh, for my day job. They're having their annual user forum meeting. Um, it's called AeroSig. That's in special interest group, AeroSig. And uh, so I've coughed up a bit out of my budget and got a whole lot of approvals from some senior types to allow two of us to come over. And so, yeah, our production manager and I have come over to attend the uh, forum. We got in yesterday morning at stupid o'clock after travelling for, uh, let's just say... A stupid amount of time. Yeah, well, (laughs) as I I got on the flight to go from Singapore to Rome after having travelled to Singapore, I'd been up for 26 hours. Wow. So I, then I finally got some sleep, and you know, fortunately I'm going business class, so... <laughs> could yes. be worse. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, I could be in a nine-abreast economy in a 787, but we won't go there. No, no indeed. <laughs> now, the time frame that he's talking about there, I thought was going to be a winner, uh, but actually the other person who's here in Rome with me is is our favourite Harpjet uh, member of staff, and that is Owen. And Now, we, you ma- you've actually managed to do, I think it was about 32 hours, I think, when we finally met up with, with Grant. But, uh, I mean, you've been awake since what? time now? Oh, 8 o'clock yesterday. Yes, yesterday, yeah. which would have been uh, what sun, Sunday, wouldn't it? 8 o'clock Sunday eight o'clock morning. Sunday, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're now in, in Monday. And uh, I'm rather surprised you're still awake, actually, it has to be said. I mean, a couple of power naps have been yeah, had. Yeah, a power nap on the plane. Yeah, 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 and a power nap in a, in a cafe after the Colosseum. Well, yeah, yeah. 20-minute was... naps are the way forward. Right. They okay. really are. They can fool you into thinking you're coherent. No problem. At all. <laughs> Everything's all hunky dory. But um, as we discovered during our discussion with a bunch of uh, the people I work with and yep. the people that uh, you know are going to be at the user forum, a few of us mm. got together for dinner just before, and um, yeah, we discovered Owen might not be as coherent as he thought. No, no. Uh, so yeah, Owen, if you'd like to share with me, what is this this dry rain that uh, you're referring to? Is it an Irish I, I, term? It's, it's, an, it's an Irish term. <laughs> Dry, dry rain and wet rain. You, you got a different types of rain. It's like different types of snow for ex- Eskimos, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry I mentioned that earlier, but yeah, he's locked <laughs> yeah. onto that. That's Absolutely. the new future for him. You know, Indeed, it's, like, uh, yeah. it's fair to say that that uh, our, our trip here hasn't gone. Uh, that smoothly, my, my entirely my fault because I, I got accosted by a street vendor, which yeah, was well, a bit. You had yeah. sucker gullible yeah, yeah. written all over it. You did <laughs> fall for a few things. I did, yeah, despite absolutely. Despite me going, hey, we've got to get to the Coliseum. Yeah. Come on, Matt, we've got to go. Watch, yeah. You're going, yeah. And, and Owen and I are both going. No, no. <laughs> you pulled your wallet out. Yes, yeah. I know. All right, it's the yeah. joys of being the naive British tourist, isn't it? But we need to get you more worldly. I, I wise, need some yes. more worldly wise. So I'm sure yeah. between the pair of you, I will be very educated before we get home. Yeah, some of it you may even be allowed to tell mum, but. 
<laughs> None of it's home will be able to tell mum. But uh, yeah, so we've been to see the Coliseum today. That was yes. amazing. We did a guided yeah, tour. Really nice. Some great photos. And oh, wow. um, excuse me, more table. food. Wow. There's no table to put it on. This is awesome. This is it. Wow. I'm suddenly very frightened about how much this is going to cost us all. No, no, because what's happening is the um, place is closing for the night, and all this food would go to the dogs. But otherwise, if they get oh, these tourists will eat it. So, so they're going to so they're going to feed us the yeah. dogs yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you know, I, I could deal with that. Idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, this happened to us at a place yesterday as we were drinking and. You know, just trying to stay awake long enough for the jet lag to to kick in. Know, acclimatize. <laughs> it was. You know, we were hoping to get to eight o'clock. We got to nine. Um, the guys were just bringing food out all the time, and they didn't charge us for any of it. This was wow. a different location, and I suddenly realised why when they started packing up all the seats around right. us. Okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. you were going to. Oh my goodness me! I cannot believe how much food has just been uh, brought out um, in front of us. I, yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna have, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we need to stretch over into another table here. But uh, that was fantastic. So uh, yes, yeah, so so we we went to the Coliseum uh, today. Actually, I should just say that our our day here in Rome started by being uh, we we jumped on the bus that. Uh, Jenny had told us to, and then we got to meet up with Jenny actually, uh, who came and literally yeah. walked us onto the metro and yeah, that was a lot of brought us to meet meet up with Grant. And that we had a nice coffee and some um, uh, um, ap appetizers and nibbles and things at the thing. became so, lunch. So basically, yes, it accidentally became lunch because we had a forty-five minute walk from where we were to to the uh, Colosseum. Yeah, I've, I've dragged Matt and Owen all around Rome. I mean, it wasn't helped by the fact that I spent about five hours waiting for my hotel room to be available. <laughs> James and I both got in. Our hotel rooms weren't available to three. We're there at the hotel at before ten. Wow! Uh, and Bill from um, the vendor, one of the Australian, the Australian arm of the vendor, his hotel room was ready at a different hotel. But so I went through a pair of shorts on because I knew it was going to be thirty degrees and there's no way in heck I was walking around in jeans. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, and then we just went walkabout and we walked all around the place and saw a whole lot of fascinating sights. The Parthenon was incredible and all that kind of stuff. And, Clocked up about 1,300 steps and Ooh. thought, wow, that's pretty good. And yeah. oh my God, there's more. Uh, <laughs> oh my uh, God. Oh, just in case we weren't looking fat yeah, enough. Yeah, no, was, absolutely. There's yeah, no, plenty of room. Awesome. See, this is what it is. Awesome. I like this. Yeah. There's more food than table now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, anyhow. <laughs> just to let the listeners know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, plates of food, none of which we've ordered, uh, all of which is yeah, looking yeah. quite gourmet. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube stream, I will obviously pop the, a picture up of our, our feast that is currently in front of us. So, uh, yeah, so today for us was uh, a, a wander around the Colosseum, obviously, and then it's been so lovely, Grant, to finally meet you in person, <laughs> yeah, in person. Uh, and, and just chat. And, and we've had a lovely meal, and, and your colleagues have just been so kind to oh, us. Yeah, we had a, had a really good chat with a. Uh, there was a couple of folks from the um, the aviation, uh, like the um, air, air navigation service provider out of Australia. There was my coworker and myself, and there was two of the guys from the Australian arm of the vendor, and you guys. And yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, a really a lot good of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot it was hilarious fun, especially as now. Um, the ANSP in Australia is possibly going to add a new entry to their uh, METARS of <laughs> yeah, uh, DRA for yeah, dry rain. Dry rain, absolutely, which so, Owen has introduced yeah. into the world. So, as I say, I feel that as the Plain Talking UK podcast is uh, providing a service to the world, if you like, in, in um, you know, introducing these people to things that they've never heard of before. Yeah, <laughs> and I think they should actually have plus DRA for very dry rain. Very dry rain, okay, that's, that, that's the but one. That's, that's called... 
no rain at all. No rain at all. That's <laughs> the one that you don't need a coat for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, I'm going to. So we're meeting up with uh, you. You've obviously got to. Grant's got to go and do what he's actually here to do. Yeah, that's uh, for, that's the, for the next few days. Uh, so uh, this is the the only chance we get to sort of meet up with him. But it's just been really nice. We're meeting up with uh, Jenny tomorrow, aren't we? And yeah, we're for doing lunch, yeah. other bits. And so we're meeting Jenny for lunch, and then we're doing something else, which I've forgotten. But uh, more will uh, be coming about might, with that ticket from today at the Coliseum. You might be oh, able to go do the, the forum tomorrow, oh, yeah, oh, yes, and yeah. also the um, the old castle, the, the old um, space off on the hill where Rome was originally founded, as the legend yeah. goes. Wow! That that hilltop that we were looking at off the yep. balcony—that was what she was talking about. Was that's that's the, the the guided tour lady was saying that that's supposedly where Romulus founded Rome. So yeah, we'll have to see that. Definitely. If you've never been to Rome, seriously, I, I think uh, a message that Grant sent me really sort of, you know, hit home really in the fact that, you know, basically we've, we've come to a place with 3,000 years worth of history, great Pretty company close. and good beer. I mean, yeah. it's, what more could what you want? Do you what want? more yeah, do you well, need? I mean, you know. And uh, Grant, as I say, it's been great to meet you <laughs> and uh, we, will, uh, we will catch up with you on the show again. That's very soon, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt there'll be a time when I'm not running all around the place and you're like, <laughs> yeah, hey, we haven't got absolutely. anyone, can you hop on with a microphone? Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so we're meeting up with Jenny tomorrow and uh, there'll be more about that later on. Woohoo! So it's now Tuesday and we've done what was, well, a very short walk, frankly, to uh, yeah, it was bad. one of the places I wanted to see more than anything else and uh, if I press this button here you can just have a quick guided tour. We're actually stood right in the middle of uh, St Peter's Square and it's um, beautiful. I yeah, can't think of it. It's really stunning. Just no other word I can think of it really. We've got the most amazing day uh, sun wise. I do hope it's raining in the UK, I'm not going to lie. Um, the most amazing day here. That's getting it, very summery. I am getting, hey, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, but it's just, it's just beautiful. I just can't, I just can't put it into words almost. Uh, you, you know, like some places you go to where, where you walk, you know, you really want to go and see St. Peter's Square, which is what I said like, like long before we set off. I said, I really want to go and see St. Peter's Square. And you walk, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know this has got nothing to do with aviation. And I apologize in advance. But you know, it was on the bucket list. I wanted to go and stand in St Peter's Square and you know stare stare at where he stands stands on the balcony when he's when he's doing his doing his thing. Um, and it's just one of those fair rare moments where you walk in, and I, I was the exact opposite of disappointment because quite often you get you know yeah, yeah. something that's on your bucket list and you walk in, it's very underwhelming. But yeah. actually, as no, we literally really, walk really nice. as we walk through the security, because the security is really tight. To, to get in and out of here. Yeah, well, it looks to, it looks to be fairly extensive. Yeah, and it just, oh, it's just, just amazing. Just amazing. So, we've got some beautiful fountains on either side of us. We're now off to go and find the, what's it called? Yeah, the Trevi Fountain. The, the, the what? The Trevi Fountain? The Trevi Fountain, yeah, that sounds like the one. Yeah, yeah. So, once we've done that, we're going to go and try and find, um, what's, it, what's the place called? The Trevi Fountain? No, 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 not that. Oh, the uh, Forum? The Forum, yeah. If you're going to do the Forum. forum yeah. Maybe take a look at the Pantheon and, uh, yeah, have some more good wine, good food. Ah, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so we're meeting uh, the, the lovely Jenny in Rome, uh, although we're in... Oh. The bells. I'm not too sure whether that signifies uh, no, no. first class one. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Perhaps it's lunchtime for the Pope. 
Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll yeah. go with that, we'll go with that. So yeah, so we're meeting uh, Jenny uh, sort of uh, when she finishes work, bless her, because obviously she actually lives in Rome. Uh, and uh, and uh, we're sort of meeting some of our family, I think, tonight, which will be nice. So it's evening time now, and I, we've, I'm happy to say that uh, we've met up again with what I can only describe as the logistics manager for this particular trip, uh, who has very kindly sorted out all our accommodation and uh, ways to get from one part of uh, where we landed to, to our meeting points, etc. So, uh, welcome, Jenny. Oh, I thought you meant him. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't do logistics. I do the travel, the, the travel plans. We're yeah. getting from here, this airport, to this airport. Yeah, yeah, Once yeah. we get past yeah, the airports, yeah. it's not really down to someone else. My forward planning involved buying, I think, two bus tickets and finding a rather dicey looking B&B, but I think it's turned out. It's, yeah. it's okay. absolutely glorious. Seriously, you need to stick that in the old repertoire because it's really quite nice. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so friendly and everything. It's really nice. We'll have to... Uh, We'll have to sort of maybe see. Well, let's let's wait till we've checked out, and if they, yeah. when we check out, if it's all still fine, then we'll tell everybody where it was because it was quite a bargain, I think, to be no, said. It was certainly a bargain. Yeah, for the, considering where it, uh, its location is in Rome, it's it's very yeah. central to where. And it, it is literally central to, like I said, wonderful wonderful choice because it is literally central to all the things that we've been been doing today. Uh, so we're sitting now in. Yeah, so so which square is this? This is the Piazza della Repubblica, Republic Piazza. And uh, it, it, it's fair to say, I think, that the Italians are rather fond of a fountain. Uh, and we, we, we seem to have done nothing but visit fountains today, which has just been great. And uh, a, a part, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the punner in me is rather struggling with the name over the eatery that we're at at the moment, which is the Itali, uh, which is E-A-T-A-L-Y, which <laughs> I, I'm, I'm struggling with, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Oh, it's great. We've had some, uh, well, myself and uh, Matt have had some really nice beer uh, from, not quite Corsica, you saying it was? Uh, Genoa. Gen Genoa? Yeah. Excellent, yeah. So, actually a place to fly in quite frequently. Yeah, quite strong, but uh, was it 5.2, was it? Yeah, 5.2 is is a thing, and it's German And it's actually, if you if you like things like Hogard and that kind of thing, it's a much hoppier, much stronger version. Although, listen to me talking about beer and, and almost sounding like I know what I'm talking about. But it's, uh, and again, it's a sort of like a pale ale type thing. It really, really nice, strongly recommended. And then an espresso, obviously, for the poor lady who's driving. But uh, there we are, all part of the that fun. That doesn't usually stop me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong answer. Uh, okay, so we're now going to wander off to, uh, where's the museum that we Actually, I think we'll we'll drop the museum and we'll go and have a look at um, a big church, Saint Ooh. Mary Major. Oh wow! Oh, very okay. good. And yeah. then and then we we have the delight of meeting up with Jenny and her family for a bite to eat this evening, which is I'm very much looking forward to. So uh, again, uh, officially from 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 Mayan and and Owen, thank you so much for all your help with our our trip here. It's just been. So it's just been so it's so nice as I was saying to Grant last night. It's been so nice to actually meet, have somebody who knows the area and say, right, okay, we go over here and we get just like you know the metro. This here's your ticket. Of it's just brilliant. It's just so thank you so very much for your help. My pleasure. So um, yeah, that's it. We're uh, back on the uh, the bus, uh, not the, the buses and the trains to head back to the airport in the morning uh, to go home. Boom. Yeah, well, a few hours in the morning, but. Um not, not, not too long, and then uh, we've got the afternoon flight back to London Stansted. Yeah. Uh, and then I start work on Thursday morning. And yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed. So, uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful trip, one I will never forget. We've done all the things that were on my bucket list for, for, for whilst in Rome, so uh, I'm very satisfied with that. But, uh, Jenny, thank you for your hospitality. Well, thank you for <laughs> 
entertaining. <laughs> so it's now Wednesday afternoon and we're sat back at the airport. How do I say the airport name again? Champino. Champino. So we're sat back at uh, Champino Airport and uh, we're awaiting our uh, flight to uh, head home. home. Owen's just checked to make sure it is running to time, which is very exciting. And that's it, our time in Rome is done, really. Time to head home. You had a good time? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, I've enjoyed myself immensely. Mm. Oh, yeah, no special uh, thanks must go to, to Jenny and her yeah, wonderful definitely. family who we had uh, dinner with actually last night, which was. Uh, just wonderful, a nice day. It was called the it was called the uh, the white chicken. If you did a direct translation, uh, where we went for, which doesn't sound fantastic, but actually it really was. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Really good meal and a uh, great company. And, mm. uh... Yeah, that's it. So um, that's the end of the diary. It's uh, it's home time, Owen. It is. Boo. And that is the the end of that. I just Someone had, had a nice time. I had really nice Didn't time. They? I, I'm very sorry that virtually all of it had nothing to do with aviation. But I I, I did take take a lot of video from the plane on the way back. I, I, I didn't I, notice. That, you'll yeah. be very proud of me. Actually, I sat at a window seat <gasps> on the way home. Were, I know. were you um, front row? Front row? Middle well, row? Were you able to see the wings flapping up and down and the engines all going? Yeah, yeah. That that I was not so keen on. I've got to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, no. It was it, it was it's really nice. I have to say, Ryan Ed is proud to be fair and on the way back I actually flew on one of the newer ones um, the, 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 you know where it's with all the new cabin uh, interior and stuff that was really quite nice what well, are you the one where at? the toilet's 24 inches wide <laughs> I didn't want to do that information uh, <laughs> what are you laughing at I was just um, amused by um, Nick's pixelated head oh right, right. Okay. Uh, I was drinking yeah, oh, right, okay. actually while we still have I'm him in the chair I'm a responsible well, pilot so I uh, you can't identify me when I'm drinking. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Right, okay. Uh, uh, while we have him in, in the chat room very, very briefly, I must just say a congratulations. Sir Neville of Bounds is actually in the chat room at the hey. moment. And we must, and we must just say, uh, muchos, muchos congratulations, Mr. Bounds. Mr. Bounds. From all of the uh, PTUK community, and I'm just sure, indeed, from the APG community as well. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, congratulations on, on, on tying the knot. I have to say, there was a lot of love for uh, for the Bounds on, uh, on the uh, social media. There's always for the Bounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, there was amounts of love. Mm. I know, I know. So congratulations, Nev and Mrs. Nev. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. The official Mrs. Nev now. I know. Very, Mrs. Nev. Very, Perhaps she'll be on the show a bit more. <laughs> You're right. <Yeah. laughs> okay. You'll give us some more feedback. I love yeah. Oh, no, no. I, don't, I still we haven't like got over the last lot. <laughs> yeah, we like her feedback. Yeah, indeed. So up next then, we haven't got a military segment per se, no. but we do have a military kind of segment because it is another one of the interviews that yep. uh, me and Nev took when we were at uh, Bruntingthorpe a few weeks back. You're talking back. to some bomber puke. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really a mud mover. You know, that JCB driver. What's the matter with you? Couldn't find a fighter pilot? <laughs> so we... <laughs> anyway, yeah, on okay. our tour around the uh, the site, we uh, managed to uh, bump into uh, Elliot Atkins, <laughs> and uh, Elliot uh, is uh, the proud owner of a Tornado GR1. So, uh, if you're ready, man, yeah, owner, what he he flies it. I will just uh, turn him down quick before he oh. before he says something. So else. here it is. 
So we are moving on then to a next aircraft on the list that we're trying to get round here. We are at Bruntingthorpe. The sun's out. The weather is fantastic. And I will say it's getting rather, rather warm here. I should have brought suntan lotion, but there we go. Anyway, we're here with Elliot, and uh, we're standing next to rather an iconic aircraft, really, um, from uh, the Royal Air Force, and it's a Tornado GR1. So, Elliot, tell us a bit about the aircraft. So, actually, this aircraft uh, never served with the Royal Air Force. It's, uh, it's a very unique can something be very unique? It's a unique Tornado GR1. It's a GR1P and uh, it was delivered directly from BAE Systems to the Royal Aircraft Establishment, which explains the red, white and blue colour scheme. Uh, so it went from uh, BAE to the RA at Bedford, where it was used uh, for flight trials and uh, for uh, lots of development work on the Tornado. Um, so things like the terrain following radar were trialled on this aircraft as well as other things like cockpit voice recognition and a lot of weapons and munitions uh, trials. Uh, when Bedford closed in the early 90s it went down to Boscombe uh, and uh, stayed out its life until 2005 where it was the very last uh, Tornado GR1 to fly. Wow, so how did you come across this aircraft then Elliot? Uh, so I was working at Kinetic uh, who, uh, who run um, bottom down. I was uh, actually based up at Malvern, uh, doing a completely non-aviation related uh, <laughs> job within Kinetic. Um, uh, when it was, uh, it came up for disposals, and uh, after a lot of discussion with Kinetic, I ended up uh, purchasing the aircraft and then moving up here to Bruntingthorpe uh, in 2013. So, when you got the aircraft, uh, I mean, we were speaking to one of the kind of en the engine engineer guys there earlier, and it, it wasn't quite in the state it's in now. No, it was. Uh, it had been heavily spares uh, recovered, so uh, it was. It was used for uh, uh, for keeping other tornadoes flying. Uh, so the engines came out almost immediately, uh, and then over a period of uh, a few years, uh, lots of the internal systems, lots of the cockpit were removed. So uh, on our website, which I'm going to plug now, za326.com. Um, there are uh, photos showing the state of the aircraft when it arrived. Uh, the front cockpit was probably 90% removed. Uh, the wow. rear cockpit was uh, probably about 70% removed. So, um, yeah, she was in a, in a bit of a sad state. I think when most people see these aircraft and stuff here, say, at, at Brunty and that where we are today, in the, the condition they're in, because looking at this, you know, the tornado behind us, it, you know, it looks in really, really good condition, pristine condition almost. And I think a lot of people uh, sort of uh, think that you get this aircraft in pristine condition, flying condition, you know, straight off the uh, off the bat. I but wish. No, I mean it's it's testament to uh, to the team of guys who who have been have been giving up their time, uh, money, effort uh, to to rebuild and restore and get it back uh, the way it's looking now, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, she's probably as as complete now externally as as you know as you'd imagine, and uh, and yeah, it's been it's been great to see. And as I said on the website, we've kind of charted the progress, uh, but it's been it's been good to see the exterior come together. Uh, we're now you know refitting some of the interior systems, so the uh, hydraulics are uh, the tornado has two hydraulic systems. One of them is now complete. Uh, the second one just needs finishing off. The fuel system needs finishing. DC power system's complete. The AC power system is almost there. It's giving us a few niggles. And then, yeah, so we're, we're prepping the aircraft ready so that uh, at the point where engines become available, we can fit them in and join in with the fun. So what is the kind of sort of timescale plan then for obviously getting this to, to where it can go on the do the taxi runs? Realistically, uh, we're, we're a few years away. Um, 
uh, I mean, the, the tornado stays in service with the RAF until uh, the end of March next year, 2019. Uh, so after that point, uh, we expect engines to start to become available. Um, obviously, uh, uh, you know, we're a charity, so we're desperately raising money to, to buy those engines when they become available. Um, and then we're probably you know, a, a couple of years' work away from that point so it's years not months on that subject of parts like you say engines stuff like that how easy is it to, to you know do you go on ebay and just you know yes. go, or google tornado parts i mean how easy is it to get parts for for the engine? it's a, actually uh, if if your viewers and listeners just go on ebay now and just type tornado parts you'd be amazed at what you can find <laughs> yeah literally i mean there are there are a lot of parts that are starting to go through MOD disposals and end up on sites like ebay and some of the disposals websites um uh, often, uh, often that's tricky for us because sometimes it's uh, they'll be sold in bulk. Um, you know, we don't need 32 of something when we only need one. So, uh, waiting for things to come through and, and sort of filter through the disposals chain um, is 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 kind of what we've ended up having to do. The uh, there are some items, so uh, engines, obviously, uh, things like the APU. Uh, are an expensive item, uh, even secondhand. They're you know, uh, you know, many thousands of pounds. So, yeah, um, we're just keeping our eyes open for everything. And as things come up, uh, we and we've got funds available, then we buy them, we store them, and fit them when we can. Obviously, a plea. You know, if any of your if any of your viewers, if any of your listeners uh, have got you know tornado bits down the back of your settee or in your shed, <laughs> and you'd be amazed what people have turned up with. Um, We'll, we'll happily take them off your hands, um, and equally, if anybody would like to donate, then they can. How is it to find people with the knowledge and stuff, like engineers and, and mechanics, to, to, to help you with the project? Um, actually, not too difficult. Um, with the tornado still being in service, and having been in service for the last 40 years, actually there's quite a good pool of engineers and people with experience. Some of the guys who come and help are, uh, are current and are still serving on Tornado Squadrons today. Some of them are, uh, you know, uh, haven't, haven't been on Tornado for you know, 10, 15 years, but it's amazing how quickly they pick it up. You know, they come back, open a panel and can remember what everything does. So it's, uh, yeah, it's impressive. But no, actually, finding people is, uh, is not that difficult. Finding people who are happy to commit to come spend their time, uh, you know, in all weathers out here, um, it's a little bit more difficult. Now, Elliot, just rounding up, one question we always ask people when we interview them at all the air shows we go to, uh, it's a sort of put-you-on-the-spot question, but it's if you were given the chance to fly uh, any aircraft, albeit military, commercial, retired or still flying, or even GA, and you were given that seat, what would it be? Oh, good question. I mean, I would obviously say Tornado, wouldn't I? Tornado, <laughs> and I'd say Tornado GR1P because it's the only one, so it would have to be that aircraft. Yeah. So to see that fly again would be great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Elliot, we wish you all the best for the future with the aircraft. And just quickly before we wrap up, plug that again. Yeah, so the website is uh, za326.com and uh, there's a big button on there that says donate and we'd be really, really grateful. We're also on Facebook if you look for Tornado ZA326 and we're on Twitter as well, Tornado ZA326. There we go, you heard it here. So thanks, Alec, for your time and all the best for the future. Thanks so much. Cheers. So I was getting carried away then. <laughs> he was too busy watching the television, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Oh, that was fantastic. No, that, that was really good. It's nice to speak to Elliot, and yeah, um, yeah we do wish him all the best mm. with that with that project. And again, that uh, website uh, was uh, za three two six dot com. If you want to find Indeed. out, what a lovely info. bloke. Yeah, it's great absolutely. to see him so keen to uh, keep that uh, mm. old wreck looking good. <laughs> 
yeah. I, t- I take it you've uh, you've um, not flown the uh, tornado, uh, Nick, because uh, you've flown nearly every other military aircraft in uh, production. No, I've got several hundred hours on the uh, ADVs, but uh, I try not to talk about it. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, it wasn't my favourite airplane, the tornado. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, the scandal. Uh, the scandal. <laughs> well, you have to remember that uh, I went from the Phantom to the F-18, Mm. And then after three years flying the F-18, I returned mm. to the UK to climb into the bright, shiny new fighter we had acquired to replace the Phantom. Um, instead, I had to climb into a Tornado uh, F-3, which was a bit of a disappointment. Oh. oh. Any, any particular reason yeah. why, Nick? <laughs> well, it was crap. Oh. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. The airplane couldn't turn to save its life. I mean, it could run away very fast. Yeah. Um, Radar, when we first got it, was uh, pretty rubbish. Mm. Uh, Half the kit didn't work. Um, Mm. The navigators, uh, when we first uh, climbed in, used to take them uh, 22 different selections to lock a target up to fire a missile at them. What a useless uh, piece (laughs) of rubbish it was. Now, there's a completely different airplane, really, from the ground attack version. And I acknowledge that uh, uh, has, and um, you know, up to very recently, done some fantastic operational duties. But the fighter variant, uh, perhaps in the very end of its life, uh, when it had been modified almost beyond recognition, uh, might have been able to hold its own up. But compared with uh, the rest of the world's agile, capable aircraft, um, that it was it was a generation or two behind the drag curve. So. You know, I was never very impressed with it. Wow. <laughs> there we go. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I've said it many times. I can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think we've got an exclusive there somehow. No, but uh, thanks again, Elliot, uh, for for speaking mm. to us. Uh, I'm sure he'll uh, he's uh, he's asked me to give him the details when we're going to put this on the show. So yeah. I'll uh, be emailing him mm, soon. Absolutely. Yep, so we're going to start to wrap up the show then now. Mm. Matt's got a whisk off somewhere. I have, yes, He's... absolutely. Got a family barbecue because it's mum's birthday. Well, it's actually mum's birthday on Wednesday, but we're having the big barbecue on Saturday. Uh, which is tomorrow. Which is tomorrow, yeah. and you're coming, aren't you? Yeah, for well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. uh, all of the family have arrived. So, uh, wow. I've, I've Do only they know been... you're famous? Uh, infamous. I don't know about famous. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, dear. Is he drinking his... He's drinking his beer again. Look, there you go. Oh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very responsible pilot. That's yeah. uh, that's actually uh, orange Thank juice. You. Is it? Uh, uh, yeah, do you yeah. know? I was then thinking that's clearly a J two O. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's old golden hen two O. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> is that similar to Indeed. speckled two O as well? Speckled two O. Uh, yes, I think it would be. Yeah, yes, yeah. It yeah. Comes similar, from similar the same brand, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. orange juice Indeed. manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we are, as I said, we are going to wrap up the show, but we're going to say a big thanks uh, first to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. All the usual family members in the chat room tonight, so big thanks to you guys and girls in there, and uh, and uh, whatever you do this weekend, have mm. fun and stay safe and, and stuff. Indeed. But quick mention before we do finish the show, don't forget we have our big first ever yeah. um, barbecue, summer barbecue fly-in, which is happening on the 18th of August this year. Um, we're going to 
uh, take over the entire airfield at Seething, which is about... Yeah. And um, hopefully fill it, fill it with planes. Yeah, yeah. which is about, probably about 20 minutes from where we live here, just up the road. An awesome airfield, really well serviced, great mm. runway, and um, everything you could wish there mm. to hold a summer barbecue. If you want to come and join us on the day, on the 18th of August, yeah. please do get in touch with us via email yeah. and let us know. Anybody, everybody is welcome, but we do Everyone. need to know who's coming. We need coming, to know numbers, so, yeah, yeah, so we can know how so many... Burgers and stuff. Yeah, well, and also we have to tell seating security yeah, as well. Yeah. So we need, we just need numbers. That's all. Everybody's welcome, but we just need to know yeah. who's coming. So just we've got you know, if you've done it the following week. I'd have been on days off. Oh, yeah. dear. Very sorry. <sighs> oh, Nick, <laughs> book, book, a, so book a sickie. Book a sickie, Nick. <laughs> I think he's had enough sick time. I don't think that's a good idea. Somehow, <laughs> Pl- plan a sickie. Uh, anyway, I've, I've had a few of those lately. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to get away with that. But uh, we have, uh, we've got some, mem- we've got some PTUK members flying in, haven't we? Yeah. In various air. Craft. I think we're going to have a formation flying of I PA wonder how 28s. many of them will actually get there. Oh, they'll all get there. Oh, how rude. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll all get there because they're um, obviously... Well, let's hope none of them pilots. end up on Aviation Herald. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, so <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. do email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Email us there. Indeed. Let us know you're coming and uh, yeah, we'll put some extra uh, prawns on the barbie. Indeed. Uh, Graham, are you actually going to the air show then? Because uh, Graham Haley's just said in the chat room, anybody going to be around at the Great Yarmouth air show on Sunday? And I'm actually going to be there, but I'm actually going to be driving Working. a bus, yeah. believe it or not, because uh, I'm helping the company that's doing the park and ride, because uh, I know who they are. But uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, that is where we bring... No deadline, Neil, by the way. No, Neil's no. just asking any deadline, but no, we just need to know kind of nearer, yep. nearest to time, nearest yeah, the 18th yeah, of yeah, August. Um, We've got coming. to give them a definitive list, yeah. ideally about two weeks before yeah. the event. So yeah. sort of beginning of August, really, I would say, is the deadline. But we uh, hope to see as many of you there as we can. Indeed. I know we're in the end of nowhere here. The, the where? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. The end of Bungie. The, well, yes, exactly. But it'll yeah. be great to see everyone. The but, back of Bungie. The back of Bungie. So yeah. a big, yeah. massive, huge, ginormous thank you mm. to the absolute fantastic legend that is Captain Nick. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on tonight's show. You are very welcome, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. Mm. You're such fun to be with on the air. I really enjoy myself. Oh, and wow. uh, even Captain L wasn't able to dampen the squid. No. <laughs> Despite his best efforts, yes, absolutely, <laughs> indeed, and give uh, our best to all the uh, family as as well as the woofies as well, indeed. Ah, uh, thank you very much. And I'm going to be very selfish, and I'm going to wish my mum a very happy birthday. <gasps> yes. so there we are, so Mama happy Smith. Birth- happy birthday, Mama Smith. Happy birthday, Mama Smith. And, and thank you to Barbara and, and Lane and everyone in the chat room who has all been wishing her a happy birthday as well. So that is where we wrap up. I'm off to go and uh, uh, drink beer and be merry for a little while. Don't forget, join uh, Matt and. Whoever I can get to join him next Friday on, on the show own. because Matt's on his own next on week because I am at my my uh, stepsister's uh, wedding next week next Friday mm. and then on Saturday I shall be flying out to the wonderful island of Malta Indeed. so I shall possibly be on the show the following week oh, broadcasting <laughs> live you know, do, do feel free to join Malta. us if you can be yeah. yes, I shall, um, I shall yeah. I'm taking my various recording type okay. equipment out to Malta with me so I'll join you the following week Lovely. but uh, I shall leave you in Matt's capable hands for huh. next week's okay. show good 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 luck everyone yes <laughs> okay and from all of us here it is time Take to care, say everyone. goodbye Have say goodbye weekend. everyone bye bye
It's all right. They all know which show you're from, Nick. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>